This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Blackman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. It is time for episode number 203 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place, right in the beautiful Buckatorium. <laughs> wonderful Sherrard, Illinois. Kurt is super excited. Yeah, Kurt, what's going on? I'm jacked. <laughs> you all right, man? I'm here. Can't even contain himself, man. 203 <laughs> episodes. He's excited as ever. That's right. I'm glad. So uh, Kurt's in here. Eric? Yeah, what's going on? Dude, we got a full house because at the end of the table, well, we'll start here. Clark Cummings? Hello. Ross Bigger? How's it going? And Austin Chandler? Hey, guys. Some deer slayers in the house. What's going on, fellas? Whoop. We're just here to check it out see what you guys got for us okay so this side of the table is excited and then that side <laughs> it's like yo this is cool like yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i guess All we'll right. do this they're you know. seasoned veterans of our podcast <laughs> yeah i guess okay so like, this ain't no this ain't no fucking deal no more yeah you gotta you gotta stay <laughs> humble stay but, yeah those guys uh you guys are deer killers so thank you for blessing us with your presence uh, your presence yeah that feels really good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is the most mm-hmm. knowledge of killing whitetails we've had in the studio at one time mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's real knowledge. Uh, man, dude, the excitement got sucked that's a lot. out of the room you're, from you're you guys. You're putting a lot of pressure on us. <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, we're going to get you guys yelling at each other on this episode. Yeah, are we, are we putting too much <laughs> pressure on you? We'll, we'll, we'll ease up. But, uh, yeah, we want to get uh, rolling here. Dude, this, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Elite Archery. Uh, we all in here shoot Elite. Some of us shoot it better than others. <laughs> you know. Just how it goes. Or you guys are supposed to laugh. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> the fun got sucked out of this room, dude. Me, and, we were like super excited. We're just like just both of us staring at yeah, you. Right. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, Ooh. but uh, yeah, let's rattle off our bows. Yeah, so I'm shooting the option six. Elite tempo here. Tempo here. Tempo. Ooh. Option seven. Option six. <laughs> Look who's Damn. the odd man out. I'm not. Man. That's all right. That's, I'm fine with house. that. A lot of you know, tempos in that. You know, triple man, tempo. Something about people with Iowa just have to be different. Yeah, I know it. Whatever. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm surrounded yeah. by Illinois people, aren't I? Yeah, you're I literally surrounded. Yeah, I agree. You're the biggest right. dumbass here tonight. Hey. I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's <laughs> really? <not> true. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Finally, Shots I'm not fired. The, finally, I'm not the biggest dumbass in the room. Yeah, we call them Iwegians. That's fine. You can call us whatever you want. You guys do know what Iowa stands for, right? Idiots out walking around. Yeah. Actually, it's wandering Easy. around. But That's an old one. I want to wander over there, though. I'd like to be an Iowan. Yeah, I well, can hear you. From what you just said, no. you're not allowed, Clark. No, I mean, I want to be out. an Iwegian. That's what I've been dying to be. Oh, okay. okay. So. We'll accept you, then. Yeah. We do have bigger deer, though, because we'll the stats prove we prove you wrong here. <laughs> can you, do you want to explain to our audience what gesture you just made? No, it's, it's, yeah. fine. it's fine. It's fine. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. You, it's you know. Yeah, it's just, dude, why, why don't you stick up for your own home state? See, that's how bad Iowa sucks. You won't even stand up for it. <laughs> what do you mean? What? He doesn't have to. You guys, you guys <laughs> probably only have one person in Iowa that listens to this podcast. Yeah, they can't probably figure out how fine. to access a podcast on the internet. <laughs> it is <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, they can because oh, they go to man. farmersonly.com. <laughs> okay, the burn is re- this podcast is brought to you by Elite Archery and yeah. I- and Iowa Pork Association because <laughs> we're just hogging Iowa. Podcast is right. also brought to you by HHA Sports, <laughs> Scent Crusher, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing, Mana Coolers, which is providing this uh, where this podcast is going to go. Yep, <laughs> Ethics Archery. To say that yet. Rattler Grips. Bush Light Iowa's Beer. <laughs> That's true. That's right. We're not brought uh, to you by them, but we should be. Oh, good Lord. Guys, uh, we, I hope you know we're just uh, kidding about the whole Iowa thing if you live in Iowa. But if you don't live in Iowa, then we actually aren't kidding. So whatever. That's what it is. <laughs> but, You're an idiot. I know. <laughs> not the biggest idiot a, in the room, though. <laughs> if our listeners were a pie chart right now, there is a small sliver of people that really think we're serious. Uh, and if they do, and if they turn this podcast off, man, damn it, man, they turn their radio off because they're drunk driving because they're in Iowa. I'm kidding. I'm not ragging on Iowa anymore. <laughs> I love Iowa, dude. Because You uh, live there. Pull back, I did man. live there. And, and you're I'm, talking about moving and back. And I might move back, yeah. Good that's like grief. a serious thing. So I don't think we can, can take you. Get to the uh, vet shout out, me. man. The vet shout out this week, as we do each and every week. Uh, Eric Graham, he's a U.S. Army 82nd Airborne ACO 3 504 Parachute Infantry Regiment. All right, guys, I don't know what this means, um, but for you, all you vets out there, you do know what it means. Um, the guy was a Desert Storm vet, paratrooper, kick ass, and doesn't waste time with names. That <laughs> 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 was sent in from your buddy Gene. Um, so, Eric Graham, thank you for your service to this country, and um, thank you for not wasting time with people and even learning their names. That's awesome. So, thank you. Cool. If, if you have thank you. Yeah, if you have a vet, shout out. Go to workingclassbowhunter.com. We have that little tab that you, if you want to send in a vet, it's under contact. 
Oh, it's under contact. Mm-hmm. Okay, so go under contact. It's sponsored by Heroes Hunting, which uh, if you got through the last podcast that we did, that was a three-hour banger with uh, Patrick mm. Perkins. Mm. That was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done this one yet, guys. So, you know, that's just where I'm, I'm throwing it right there. But, yeah, we'll go submit a vet. We'll shout him out like we do uh, each and every week. And, uh, man, that's all I got to say about that. There it is. All right, the podcast. The right. Mile Time Club is here. Yeah, I can just uh, pull my headphones off and go sit out in the other room and let you guys talk. (laughs) I don't want to ruin anything here. That would be any fun. Steve should talk less on this one. Yeah, that is uh, a correct – you kind of made that sound like a question, but uh, realistically, yeah, because you guys um, are pretty local to this area, about roughly an hour south from where we are. Well, you guys are all from Respect the Game. And Respect the Game. On Sportsman's Channel. And. You guys know how to get it done, and I look up to each and every one of you because not only are you taller than me, but the deer you uh, kill, their tines are taller than me, too, so I just want to throw that out there, but I, I love you guys, and you guys are full of knowledge, so I'm as excited to listen to you guys talk as I am to just throw in the stupid shit that I say. So. We're looking forward to that part. Uh, what, the stupid shit? Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> so, let's catch up. And come up to speed to your guys' season because Austin and Clark had a great season. Ross, you had a good season, but you had some interesting stories with your season as well. Yep. Kind of like my season, man. It seemed like we are kind of sharing frustration throughout the year. Yeah, just frustrated. Punched out the season and had it come down to the wire and I had an opportunity. And you, you can't always execute every opportunity. And I figured out I've learned a lot of things. Uh uh, bow setup wise uh, that I'm going to change for next year it won't happen again so I can spout off about that here in a little bit but otherwise I yeah I started out with well I'll just tell you right now I started out with a single pin sight and a rangefinder, and it was late season we were in a redneck blind and I got along fine throughout the year uh, you're shooting at deer sitting on a, a food plot late season and they you know, you, usually they're feeding, and you have time to range them and adjust your sight with a single pin. Mm. Uh, I know you guys are single pin nation, but I'm <laughs> I'm going to say something here now that uh, I'm going to do differently. So I went from a five pin to a single pin. Uh, in this situation, this deer walked by. I should have had him killed at 30 yards. He walked right by the redneck. With the redneck, you don't want to open every stinking window. You're obviously in there right. because you're cold. Right. Well, I had one window open i had one opportunity and like austin told me over and over you need to pre-range and remember those ranges and know exactly where where that deer's at when he's there in the moment so mm-hmm. the he came out two deer led ahead of him two two bucks smaller bucks one of them i was gonna shoot uh until we seen the guy behind him and <laughs> he uh he came out but he like a big buck would do, let the little ones run on out there in the right. field. Yeah, well, go see if you get killed. They, <laughs> they, <laughs> calling they, a, we're calling a mid-140s a little one. He, he was a damn nice deer. He was a really First nice buck. Nice I mean, awesome deer. And chocolate dark horns, he was he was cool looking. And Smaller just because he wasn't the one you were going to shoot. He wasn't the one that, I was, that we've seen standing right. back there. But like a big buck would do, he lets the little ones stand out there, you know, get out there in the middle of the field. Um, he locked up right on the timber edge and waited and... It, he started to move towards the towards the open field and it, he switched gears and decided he was going to take off and try to catch up with him and he was on a pretty good move 
Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I'm sitting there trying to range where he's going to be, adjust my sight, put my range finder down, clip on the D loop, and try to get draw back. Um, no, I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm going to have a five pin sight. I'm going to have all my pre ranges done, like Austin told me over and over. Mm-hmm. And that deer should have been dead. There's no, no question about it. So, anyways, I I love a single pin. If I'm shooting turkeys or I'm shooting a mule deer, spotting stock out in South Dakota, but I'm not gonna. I'm Man, not, I'm not. I'm not doing it no more. Man, that's a tough one. That's yeah, a tough, tough one because I've loved my single pins. I, I know it. it. You no. get you get in a high speed situation though. I hear you. I mean, you. you get a big buck chasing a doe through the woods, or you get one that's smart and knows. He's going to book it out to the middle of the field where he yeah. knows he's safe. You got to be on the on the on the nitty gritty. Hey, but yeah. if you weren't in that, if you were in, say in a stand, if you weren't in that blind where obviously you have a lot of limited shots, do you think that deer would have been dead if you were in a stand? I don't know, man. He didn't stop. He didn't stop until mm. he was out seventy, eighty yards out in the field. I mean, he was on a move. He stopped for a split second at what? What do you think? Thirty-five. Well, we tried to stop him and it didn't work. Yeah, that's and true. He. It, uh, we we were we actually made a mistake too walking into the blind. You got to watch where your footsteps are. I mean, I don't care what you spray down there. with, man. You're gonna you're laying a scent trail. Yeah, for sure. And we it was damp, and you know damp makes it worse. You know all the humidity in the air. You, you're sticking all that scent right to the ground, and they can smell everything. And we mm-hmm. we walked carelessly right in front of the blind on just a straight line from the truck, 400 yards away, right to the blind. Walked right through basically my shooting lane. Mm-hmm. and and he picked it up he knew exactly Man. where that thing was he he was a little sketchy because when you're in a blind and it's that stinking cold out it doesn't matter trying to get drawn i mean a buddy of mine told me that's an art form anyway being mm-hmm. in a blind oh, like sure. that with two guys and a camera and a tripod and trying to get to full draw and everything is popping and cracking every time you shift your weight yeah and that's that was go- exactly what was going on so i'm co- trying to come to full draw and, the, and everything's chattering and everything's making noise and he didn't he didn't like something already and he put his nose down and smelled it and then, then he really got jittery go, and, and coming then yeah. from a human box blind they hear that noise and then they're just he decided it was time to leave and he wasn't going to slow down this adds everything up in the I, equation did, for him yeah can i say something go ahead real quick this is i, I went for years I'm a single pin guy. Yeah. But I went for years where I didn't have any adjustment. I didn't have, like, the newer adjustable-style single pin sights. I just shot a fixed single pin. Um, What I taught myself to do at that point was to shoot with one pin and figure out my compensation Mm, at certain ranges. So I knew at at 35 yards I had to hold four and five inches high Yep. Mm -hmm. so on. So what I do now is I go through and – once I set my single pin at my given rate, say if it's 20 yards, and that's where I'm going to be sitting in the blind anticipating my shot, I know about where that's going to be mm-hmm. because there are times where you don't have time to adjust. That's right. right. I mean, if, especially during the rut, you get a buck coming in and hauling after a doe. You've right. got to make that quick split decision. I'm going to shoot right there, and I know I've got to aim at high lung or loin in order to put that down in the heart. Yep. Well, we've talked so, about that too where yeah. – uh like for me i'll set i just find a an average in between 20 and 30 yards you know mm-hmm. and 28 is like the sweet spot where i can still shoot 20 yards or i can go all the way up to like 35 yeah if i just keep it at 28 so it's yep. just that sweet spot in between where if i still making a shot at anything from 20 to 35 yeah i i should be pretty good so i'm catching yeah. this is a vibe where we're going to get you guys yelling at each other so 
I want Clark, I want you to tell Ross that he needs to go back to single pen. And then Ross, <laughs> yeah, I want you to Ross tell Clark to that he's wrong. <laughs> you know what? It, it comes down to it comes down to that compensation Oof. and knowing where to be. I've got a I've got a couple other buddies, even like since we we're fifteen years old shooting bows, that they always rocked a single pen sight and they knew how to compensate. Mm-hmm. I have never forced myself to compensate like that. Yeah. It's easier for me to look and visualize and see a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 and, and know yeah. the and gap between and know, judge, you know, if I got, I know they're 50 something, I know where to basically place that the, between the two pins. I, with a single yeah. pin, and I took a shot at this deer, uh, and when he finally stopped at about 60 something, I way overcompensated, and he was still in mid stride. He wasn't actually stopped. He was still in mid stride. Just taking a step. And yeah. I, he took a step, and I let it fly. So I was a little back, and I was a little high, and I missed him. And he got out of there in light speed. So, yeah. in my opinion, what it boils down to, you get this rare opportunity every year, once or twice on a big deer. So in that five second window. If you're more comfortable compensating with a single pin or having four of them up there to remind you where your yardages are at, it doesn't matter as long as you're used to it. I like having the reminder up there so when I'm drawn back, I don't have to try to compensate. I'm just used to having my 20 through 50 right there, and then I can just kind of guess where he's at and let it fly. The faster you can get on the deer and the faster you can get rid of that arrow, in my opinion, on a big deer is better. I don't yeah, I don't spend exactly a lot right. of time yeah. aiming and concentrating and squeezing the trigger. I get the pin on him in his vitals, and I let it rip. Yeah. No, See, that's one thing I, I feel like, that. you know, I, I'm a single pin guy, obviously, and um, <clears throat> I get the whole thing. You know, sometimes guys like five pins, yet I get the difference. Not all equipment is right for everyone all across the board, but that's a beauty of what we do. You know, it's it, – creates conversation on do i do a five pin do i do a single pin that's part of the fun of archery experimenting with different types of equipment um that's just a beautiful thing about it in a whole but one thing i know i need to work on austin that point you just brought up is getting on because i shoot the scott hex and i think i spend too much time in the focus like okay i'm anchored i love i love the hex i shoot it all summer long but when it comes hunting time i'll put on the the uh long long no not the longhorn that is the hex the um s horn See, that's something I thought about doing, switching back and forth just to keep myself <laughs> on my toes. But I think I need to set my hex a little lighter. And But I also think I, maybe I spend years of when you first start, it kind of conditioned me to like fully walk through your shot when you make the shot. And I think sometimes in a spur-of-the-moment situation, which happened to me multiple times this year when a buck's rutting, where I'm like, okay, anchor, lock in, squeeze, fire through your shot. And I think that process in my head takes too much time. So I think this next year I'm going to really walk myself through the process of anchor, lock it in, squeeze through, and let it rip. I'm going to yeah. try and knock down my shot sequence by like a second, and I think that would make a hell of a difference for me. Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying I rush the is. shot. I'm just saying get comfortable getting on the target fast and executing yep. the shot in a consistent form. Yeah, it, yeah, that's what I mean. Too. Just the the right practice. Uh, yeah. Maybe set right. my hex a little lighter and right. get used to that. Um, you know, maybe throw a 3D target out there and give myself. You know, maybe have somebody time me, have Steve or Eric time me out there, like, you know, shoot, fire this in two seconds. Yeah. And, you know, that would probably doing that a hundred times will condition you on what it's actually like to have a whitetail coming in. Because whenever I shoot, I don't feel, I always feel like that deer is not going to stand there. You know, he's going to keep moving. So I feel like you got to get the shot. And I had it a couple times late season where I was on a deer squeezing and then he bolted after a doe. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Well, I think I think anybody that shoots a, a, wrist, a wrist strap, a thumb button, um, something similar to like a, the hex, 
uh, any of them. If you – it all comes down to practice. Uh, the more time that you have shooting and going through your shot sequence, whether you want to speed it up in the backyard and shooting at your target, you know, maybe do a few quick ones, uh, do some slow ones, do some real long shot, uh, anchor, go through the motions. Mm-hmm. That's – it all comes down to practice. So, actually, and I think anybody can, can – uh, agree with me on this that in that moment you don't even remember pulling oh, you the trigger don't, you don't remember half the, the shit you even yeah. so when it comes down to it and you're in that moment it's all instinct as yep. of that yeah. point so exactly. you, yeah i think that's maybe where i change where i'm like i i'm trying to stay conscious through the whole thing because it's not that you're not conscious but it's almost like you weren't because you're like what fuck what happened i don't even really remember did i even look through my peep i don't yeah. do you guys go through that like man did oh I look yeah. My oh, peep? yeah oh for sure <laughs> yeah well like what ross said earlier where you're arranging stuff beforehand I'll do that shit too, but then when a deer's out in front of me, I'm like, don't remember shit. I have to still pull out my rangefinder, range that deer. You know, it's I don't, what's right, that's why I was like, like John Dudley. If you ever see what he does in his set setups, like, dude, he goes out and he sets a tree stand. And yeah, you might think you're boogering it up, but he actually spray paints like on trees, like how far they are. And that's I, like, I try to make it a game. I'll go out and I'm really familiar with my stands. Hunt the same stands, same farms all the time. And I'll go in there and I'll range everything. And then when I've got time, which obviously you do, you're going to sit there three or four hours at a time. <laughs> right. You go in there and you say, that tree's 36, that tree's 42. And then you try to get up in the stand the next time and remember all of them. And you bring mm-hmm. your rangefinder to check everything. But Good by the idea. time you sit in there five or six times, then you know. You know all the trees. Mm-hmm. And I feel Austin shoot his big six-pointer this year. And as soon as the shot went, I never watched him range once. And I don't course, range. If a I deer's was, coming in, I don't range unless he's fifty yards in a food plot standing that's still. Why I, I don't. To you. Right. Yep. I don't. I don't range. I just. I only range if it's a marginal shot distance wise. Yep. yep. Yeah. Like you know, this has to be more pinpointed on. Yeah. And, and I won't right. take a shot like that in, unless I feel that I've got all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. So yep. if it's fifty, sixty yards out, I'm not shooting unless unless I can take my time, range it, reset my sight. If I can do all that and still take that shot. Think consciously, think yeah, through every aspect of it. Then I might it. take it, but chances of me taking a quick shot at, at 50 or 60 are almost none. I'm not going to take that shot personally. Right. And I'm a, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a measurement guy, so I sit there and look, and I'm like, boy, I want to know. Looking at the the hash marks on on the, the side of my sight, knowing – that I have this thing right down to the gnat's ass. Exactly what yardage is what, no mm-hmm. matter where I'm at. That throws me for a loop because I want to be gnat's ass perfect because I'm aiming for a hair. I don't, right, and that throws me off. I'm, I'm. So what you're, so, so what you're well, saying, like if it's at sixty six, you're trying to find yeah, sixty six exactly. on your site, exactly. Which, which so, you just said on sixty five, be done. Yeah, pull yeah, the shot that's, off. That's right. the deal. That's what I'm getting at. Right. Is I, for some reason, in my head, every time there's a deer standing there, I want to dial in because i know my sight can do it i know my range finder's accurate i know everything's good i want to make sure everything's perfect well by the time you start jacking around trying to make everything mm-hmm. perfect to hit an x a vegas x out right. there at shoot, shoot it on paper is great but when you're out there and you got two or three seconds to pull the shot yep. off it's yeah. a different story it's a whole yeah. other ball game do you guys uh, do you guys ever check your range finders just to make sure that they're still spot on yeah, yeah. Uh, i have a vortex uh, hmm. range finder and compare it to the leopold that I had before, it, uh, it they're basically on, but from once in a while, I don't know. I, I guess the Vortex has been the most spot-on, um, exact, 
where the Vort, no, the Leopold was off by a, a skosh. According mm. to my, you know, I side in with the Vortex and then double check it with a Leopold. Right. Boys, I had a rangefinder. I told the story before on the podcast. Won't get into too much detail. I depended on my rangefinder so much that it pretty much cost me my biggest buck ever this year. Um, it picked up a different contour in the ground from my angle. Um, picked up the other side of the ditch that this deer, I the other side of the ditch, and I thought it was where the deer was standing, and so I thought he was further away. And I shot and hit him about five inches high up, and in, it would have been perfect double long, but just a touch high right in the shot. I called you guys for advice. Yep. And, yep. Uh, yep. That's that story. But that shit happens. That's yeah. part of it, you know. That's part of hunting. Yeah. No matter how perfect you think you got everything, sometimes something's going to go wrong. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing then, can go perfect all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Except if this podcast. Oh wait, up. no, we do yeah. got a hash mark. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. In the yeah. in the deer woods, anything. I've had can plenty of yeah. mishaps in the woods, but you just try to find ways that you got to develop your own system that you can repeat. Yeah. Right. And then if you said earlier, instinct. If you have those mishaps, though, that you're learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, sure. It's a mistake you made, so you're going to learn from that. So I'm good. Exactly. Not try and do that again. It's just yeah. like me. I'm going to practice shot sequence over and over again. And it's something, of course, I've done, but I'm going to really hone in on that because that's where, right. I, obviously, I got a hole in my game. Yeah. You know, just like you're training for any other thing, if it's a fight or a basketball game or whatever, you know, it's hunting, bow hunting's our thing here. Well, so, and, yeah. and I may come away from a situation like I did late season uh, before the season was out and say, I learned something. I will never do this again. And I tell you guys that, and you're like, oh, no, wait, whoa, hey, I, I would never change that about myself or my setup. Or my, right. You know, I, yeah. you know what? It, it's just it's something that I learned for me, and it's going to make my game better for next year. I'm, I'm, I got to change it because that's what I'm used to and I'm familiar with, and that's, yeah. that's what I'm going to stick with. That's what it comes down to. You got to get something that you're familiar with, and, and when you go into that auto mode, it, it all falls into place. and. Sure. If yeah. a five pin sight's what works for you, then by all means, you, that's what you got to do. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's the beauty of different equipment and playing with it. And then, so let's cover Clark. Let's cover your season quick, and then we'll cover yours, Austin. And that way, and then we'll cut into uh, maybe where we're at, and Shed as far season. as whitetails are concerned. <laughs> yeah, Clark. Um, I think the best part of your season was uh, having to haul my Jeep back to home for me. <laughs> yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, so I did okay. a little windshield time. Yeah, a little yeah, windshield time during deer season. Fifty miles. Did you ever get that the, each direction? That was yeah. good. Did you ever get that? <laughs> dude, he he came through and uh, did it. And dude, prime like most, deer season. This guy comes to pick you up. Dude, you guys that have no a idea. lot about Clark's character. Yeah, you have no idea how much that, that meant to me, man. I was stranded in a bad way. Like my car wouldn't start, and Clark's like, "This is like November what eighth or something like that." And you're like, "Oh, dude, I'll, Clark I'll, I'll, wanted to stab you." No, I know he did. <laughs> I waited till after it's, dark. It's no, hey, man. <laughs> I actually took you hunting. Waited. We went hunting first. Yeah, we did. I actually, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw that Big Ten out in the out in the field. <laughs> and uh, you're like, hey, we see that Big Ten shoot it. I'm like, I'm not going to shoot the guy's biggest deer on his property <laughs> and then have him, like, haul me home. But, yeah, dude, Would that you was, have uh, been pissed if he would have shot that? No, I really wouldn't have. But <laughs> now, if he shot a year and a half, I might have been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I smoked this button bug, man. He was standing there. He's looking right at me. I drilled him. I got, <laughs> I got two questions, Clark. Yeah. Did, did he? He was actually in a tree stand. Yeah. Was it a hang on? No. It uh, was a ladder. Got lucky. Okay, okay. Got lucky. It was a ladder, and you looked down this hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this tree. Okay. <laughs> did you walk him out in the dark? Because we know he's scared of the dark. 
he come out, but I did. Ha- I drove to where he could see the truck lights. Oh, good. Yeah, so he I, had a point yeah, to walk okay. to. Well, because okay. I, I, I did have because I, I thought that deer was still under me. That big one. I was like, hey, dude, I like. I'm still not really familiar with this area, and like, I think that deer's in here. So I'm like, so you, can you come pick me up? Uh, because I don't want to spook this deer out of here. So that deer was long gone. You're just scared of the dark, and that's why you. <laughs> yeah, no. that's, that's exactly that's exactly what happened. No, yeah. it didn't happen. Steve's scared of the dark. Everyone. So no, he, he is. He's terrified. barely holding on. The lights are off in the studio. He's barely holding on. Yeah, whatever. It's all right, man. I, my son's scared of the dark, so that's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Good thing yeah, I mean, he's bred for. Me. He's two. He's, he's two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all, all, all I'm saying is, dude, it, it it really did mean a lot to me that you would go out of your way, and uh, I mean that, that turned into one hell of an adventure that we had. It was an adventure. <laughs> it was kind it of was fun. fun. I got I got some uh, Smith's meatloafs and uh, uh, yeah. a scent crusher uh, plug in out of it. Awesome. So yeah, I did all right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we found out what annoying thing that uh, Chevy trucks sometimes do, especially if they're like we got 14. Yeah, yeah, and like the thing was going on, so that's why we took back roads so we could unplug the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Every time I'd hit a bump, it would like lose check trailer wiring. Yeah, yeah. ding 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 <laughs> every, every yeah. minute. But the old Chevy was still pulling her home though. It, it, it's it still the one running. Yeah. Oh right. yeah, it did. It pulled it did that Mopar and Did we, we, we had that thing off. strapped on with like three of those tether straps that were like rated for like three thousand pounds? <laughs> <laughs> did we rig that thing terribly? We did. Um, it was good. But, but yeah, man, that your was season a, as far as like not having to put up with Steve though went pretty good. My season was good. With all seasons, there's there's some high points and there's some low points, mm-hmm. but um, That's every overall, season. yeah, I walked away with a couple good deer. I had uh, a couple funny stories uh, <laughs> leading into that. Uh, I had a couple slammers on Ooh. my covert cell cams and was waiting for that exact right time to get in, and I ended up uh, getting a cell cam picture the, the afternoon that I was getting ready to go in or the morning before I was going to go in and hunt early in the afternoon and try to wait for this giant eight pointer that's been coming in and i get six people on my trail camera and i'm the only person that can hunt this place six people it's yeah first i got a single and then i got well it's actually seven because then i got six people and it turns (laughs) out that uh, the farmer had let the FFA have a scavenger hunt at my farm. Oh, great! Nice. Oh, I remember you telling us that was that night. Yep. That, the night that we were getting it, you were getting phone calls, and you're like, "Yeah, I think they're riding four wheelers here after they dark. were." Yeah, oh. they was they was all over that place. Totally boogered those deer for a week. I finally went back in a week later when I got my first cell cam picture again. I thought, "Okay, he's back on the farm again." He wasn't, but it was this wide ten. The other my number two hit lister. So it completely pushed these deer off for a week? For a week before I got pictures. I'm not saying they weren't somewhere, but I didn't get another picture for, well, five days. It was, wasn't was quite a week, but it still was... Still enough time to really It was a work week. Out. A work yeah. week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean, that's my hours. vacation. Literally, this happened when I first got the picture. It was day one of my vacation. Yeah. And uh, so I was sick, and I go, I oh go back gosh. in there, and... I would have went down there and kicked all those little kids. <laughs> oh, I wanted to. I wanted to beat everybody, but I, I thought, well, you know, what do you do about it? I don't yeah. own the farm, and I can't say right. much about it. But, yeah, I'll go whoop your um, FF ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I support the FFA. I, I was calling the cops on these people. It was bad. but I, Oh, because you didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know, and I have like a 100% run of this place, and they've even told me, you, if anybody's here, you call handle the police. It. Handle it. Take care of it. 
And so little did I know the farmer had said, yeah, for FFA, no big deal. He wasn't letting anybody hunt. He didn't see any. But he didn't let you know that. No, nobody told me. That would have been hilarious. You show up and there's like a little six-year-old getting on the back of a cop car in handcuffs getting patted down. (laughs) You're going to jail, little Jimmy. (laughs) So so what I get back is it's uh, life is good. And and I thought, okay, the deer's, the big 10-pointer was back. And this is a big, wide, two-foot inside uh, 10-pointer. How big? Give me an inches. 170. (laughs) pretty um so pretty yeah and short a short tined 170 so if that shows you what his frame looks like mass and yeah mass and wide just a a stud of a deer actually ross and i seen him last year it was that one that come in on us late in that brush yep um so we stud we get in and moved in on him got into the stand perfect life was good i kept hearing something breaking the sticks after we'd been in for an hour so I, i said man i think that is a buck breaking ant or raking his antlers in yep. the tree and it's actually yep. breaking the branches off mm-hmm. and the guy filming me really good buddy he says i, I don't hear it and i we finally went through this like five or six times over the course of 20 minutes and i said <laughs> i know it is and finally i spot him and i said there he is and he was down in this ravine and you just caught a glimpse of him the, the autumn olive was really heavy in there so i i just rattled real lightly just to let him know you're Maybe there's there a buck something? up there, and I just did it real light, put the horns back, gave one grunt, and uh, 10 minutes went by, nothing, and then all of a sudden a stick pops. I mean, like you hear the, a, a, a branch break, I guess, not mm-hmm. a stick. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he snapped off a tree right down 25, 30 yards from us. So we got ready and got on this deer, and I have a kind of a wagon wheel. I told you the autumn olive is really thick. Mm-hmm. So we have this wagon wheel set up where, like, ours is our tree is the hub, and the lanes are in a wagon wheel form about halfway around me. Mm-hmm. So I knew he was going to cross through one, and I picked which one he's coming through, and I said, okay, he's here. And, and my buddy got on him, and uh, he's wearing headset, but basically <laughs> to monitor his own or my sound. Okay. And, uh, the deer was kind of on pins and needles anyway, so I locked back and I'm I'm on this thing's heart. <laughs> I said, uh, I whisper, I see you on him, and he goes, "Yes," oh. <laughs> and the deer was gone. I mean, oh, was, no. He didn't realize how loud he had said right. it, so he felt terrible. He he wanted to jump out of the tree. Oh, I bet. Because at first he said, "What spooked him?" And I said, "I think it might have been when you said yes." And he's like, "Oh." And then after he watched it, yeah, that was on me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like I, I can't even begin to tell you how sick I am. And he felt terrible, but hey, he's out there trying to help me out and do good. So right, like, and shit, shit happens. You know, it's it does. Funny. I mean, it's yeah. it's no shit does I, I not happen, Eric. Yeah, no. Hey, hey you want to know what's funny? You want to know who the biggest donor to the FFA is? <laughs> he's yeah. like, well, we're going to scare all the deer off this land so we get this prime time land. Screw Clark, he so, doesn't need to hunt here. Yeah. So the next night, that deer got killed by the neighbors. No. So, oh. so I was wrong. He didn't score one seven. He's actually one sixty nine. With a bow? Did he kill it with a bow? He or? killed it with a bow. Yeah. Gee, man. So, which I'll show you a picture after we get out of here. It was a, a beautiful oh, deer. Oh no. But, so then. Uh, that kind of went downhill quick. So then <laughs> I never did get another picture all year of that eight. And he ended up that same neighbor had another guy in there and killed the eight oh, off goodness. that same property. But he never did come back after the FFA stuff went on. So he's probably fuck this. Yeah. I, I think he just pulled out completely that or mm-hmm. he's hanging at the complete other end. But I went from every day, a picture to no pictures ever again. So that shows you what pressure can do. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, That's right. Especially 30 kids having a scavenger. Yeah. They don't, he, he got tired <laughs> of seeing like, you know, two 12 year olds trying to handle an old English. It yeah. Was disgusting. <laughs> it's like, well, you kids don't know how to handle your liquor. He's out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and it, around that negativity. It goes to show you when you bring a camera into the tree. I mean, it's a whole another ball game. Mm-hmm. It does. Oh, yeah. So, and, and I mean, I think all three of us, me, Clark, and Austin, can all sit here and tell you that you bring a camera in the tree, man. It makes a whole whole bunch of things that could go wrong. It's a different it, ball. It's game. not just yeah, a, for sure. It's not just. Well, it's two hey, people. I, I chose a one pin sight instead of a five pin sight. Now it's like, hey, we got two guys making scent, breathing, making noise, tracking in. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. So and that's kinda, and it's fun when it all comes together. It's so cool. But you, I mean, for a long time, I don't know. For a long time, we were, we've been hunting really big deer, trying to kill these really big deer. They're really smart. They're the smartest damn animal in the woods, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean. When they're keyed, that's easy when they're keyed, when they're keyed up, these deer know what's going on, and you can't just. There's a reason everybody's not killing 170, 180 deer, or I shouldn't say that. I should say five year old plus deer. Right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. that's that's the bottom line. Okay. So, can I raise a, a point then here, and maybe we can debate on it, and then Austin, we we kind of partially covered your season in a, a previous episode already, but a we bit, uh, yeah. we missed one. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, no, because you called the deer that you were going to kill, actually. Yeah, that was one. I on the podcast, <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to get it done. And yeah. I'm sure as shit. Well, real quick, we'll do this. Do you guys think that most people, and I don't know what the percentage of hunter bow hunters would be, do you think most people underestimate the intelligence and the senses of a whitetail versus, I know they hear all the time, every hunting show, every bow hunting podcast, whatever, Oh yeah, you do this wrong, the deer's out of there. Do you think that people kind of look past the importance of scent control in general or access routes, pressure in general? Austin, go. I think that's the biggest thing people overlook when they're looking at big deer. I like to think of them as a little piece of glass. You have to really be careful with them. You can't just stomp through the heart of your timber into your best stand and plan on seeing this deer. I mean, you have to be... You have to be smart about it. You have to wait for the right time, and uh, a little piece of glass. That is amazing. That's a good I, way to put I don't. That. I don't mess with that deer. Like I, I've got that Blackhawk camera. I put it where I know there's a community scrape where a bunch of different deer are going to be, and I'll just sit there and wait on him to blow that up before I make a move on him. And that's how I killed that second one this year. But um, it's really easy to blow a big deer out. Like Ross, when you and I made that move on that first buck that I was after this year. We went in one time, hung the stand, thought we were being stealthy, and the wind was supposed to be west. Well, the topography was blowing it southwest, blowing it right into where he was going to come from. I never got a picture of that deer after that day. So, And you know he was better to touch. He, he, he was right there because I had a picture of him at 10 that morning, and we were there at 2 that afternoon. And the bedding area was right there. Yep. Yeah. Did your guys' hunting, hunting change ever since like you got like cell cameras? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, and you guys like them way more, I think. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'd I wish be, I had I feel, yeah, I'd feel naked them, without, <laughs> yeah, without yeah. one of those cell cameras. That's the thing awesome. about it, if you had 20 of them, Clark, we probably wouldn't get a damn thing done. <laughs> no, <laughs> no work-wise. Work <laughs> look at your phone. We'd be on our phones all day. UPS truck would be going every yeah. other way on the road. <laughs> Checking well, cell cam pics. That's the one thing that the deer that I did end up killing later was he was coming in right in front of that cell cam. I knew he wasn't really a deer that I was, like, super excited about. He was a four-year-old deer. Mm-hmm that we had some history with we called him shorty and but at the same time first of all i'm not making any excuses because i like to shoot deer um so, yeah, i did the same thing this yeah, year man. it's it's like uh, i knew it was late in in my personal hunt and it was a deer that it's not really one you want running around for years anyway 
and he was old enough that you kind of see his potential. Mm-hmm. Real short, tiny eight pointer, and yeah. not going to score good at all. He's of, not going to blow up into a hundred seventy inch five. No, I mean he year. just he he hardly grew from last year as a three year old. I mean he looked almost the same as he did this year. Just, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if I just seen him, I would call him a three. He just just had kind of a a crummy rack, but he come in and kind of posed for the camera. So. So we shot him because we are on a, a mission to do stuff, and I like deer sausage a whole lot. So, <laughs> so it's like you know what I, shooting deer is a, a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the thing is you got to everybody hunts for their own reason, and I've hunted years for score, and sometimes the score is awesome. Don't get me wrong; I'd rather shoot a one ninety than a than a one thirty, but at the same time, you still got to respect that animal. Yeah, I mean he's an older animal. He was he was leery when he come in, and it was fun. That's yeah. You know, I I, I want to kind of bring something up. Um, you know, not to get not to get too personal, but I remember you were telling me, you know, it was like when you go and find some really good land, and I'm sure this is happening in a lot of small towns, you know, you find some good land. When people start finding out that you start killing really good deer, all of a sudden your numbers start going down because people start flocking to that area. Mm-hmm. And it's it's gotta be hard for you, obviously, you know, if you got a show and if people know you and know where you hunt, obviously a small town. It's got to get really, really hard now when people are like, oh, well, Cummins is over there killing, you know, 180 inch every year. I better try and buy a property right next to him. And, you know, <laughs> people talk and I mean, is that I don't I didn't want to, you know, put too much out there. But I mean, you told me that some similar situations have yeah. happened to you on previous farms. I mean, how do, how do you kind of handle that situation? Uh, the best way you can handle it is just. Try to stay classy, I guess, because if they're hunting on on their own spot, they may only have two trees, and it stinks because they're coming off your food plot cross in front of their two trees, but I guess I feel fortunate that I'm not the guy that's only got two trees to hunt. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's hard sometimes when, when, they, when you feel like somebody's intentionally in on basically based off of a lot of noise in the studio success. right now pouring drinks eric just <laughs> yeah. got back into the bathroom yeah eric Sorry, made Clark. noise going That's out there in right. the bathroom it's okay but no it's it's all uh relevant to the situation i mean you just take it as it comes you try to stay as classy as you that. can about it yeah um but you know there and there was another a thing i want, like wanted to bring up just kind of like touching on that i mean did that change the way that you make food plots or did yeah. you just always want to do that? Because I remember when we were walking in, you're like, "Yeah, we planted this. It's like this green screen." And you planted, I can't remember what the what the plants were, but you're like, "Yeah, we planted this so the path that you walk in, nothing can see you." And it was yeah. like, "It's a good idea. I did that this year too. I like that." That green screen, it's Arrow Seed, and we're not sponsored by them or anything else. But they, if you get on arrowseed.com and look it up, the stuff's cheap, and it's it's basically a bunch of uh, hybrid sorghums. And that stuff is, is just like incredible. grass or what? It, it's like a yeah, it's like a big uh, oh, it kind of looks like a corn stalk, but a, um, like that broom grass. I don't know what you want to oh, call okay, it. Okay, okay. It it's it gets seven eight foot tall. Yeah, at least yeah, uh, like some of the stuff. Is that the grass with the big poofy thing on the end? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Looks like that. This this is more of a hybrid sorghum, so it actually gets a big seed head on it. Oh really? Um, but it. It's got like four hybrids, so some of them only get four foot tall, some of them get seven foot tall, so some get thick and twelve. There. Yeah, so but it fills in all the gaps. So right. oh, you cool. plant that fifteen feet wide, and you cannot see through it. Yeah, it works awesome. nice. It works nice to do like you were saying, cover you when you're walking into yeah. a place, and if you've got a food plot that's out in the open, like I've got a wide open pasture, but I wanted the big bucks to feel safe in it, so I planted that around the edge of it, and like you say, you can't see through it, so. 
when they come out in that big pasture, it's like a little three quarter of an acre plot, and they just flock to it. Yeah, How does that work stay into stay like into this time of year? Does it still stay standing for the most? It's still part? up. The, the yeah, first, mine's still the up. first frost knocks it down, but it'll be like what three, four foot tall. Mine was like three or four foot tall after the first frost. So that's a good tip yeah. for a lot of guys and, and listeners and anyone out there. That I was thinking about this. If I were to buy a farm and you can see it from a rural highway where people could poach or do whatever, see your deer. You know, playing along the road, along your fence, um, and your perimeter, so no one can see through from the highway. Yeah, as a quick fix, it'd work nice for the first year. You know, you get your evergreens or whatever planted in and then plant this on the other side of it. So the first two or three years, you have your cover, and then after that, your yeah. trees are getting big enough to kind of block yeah, it out. That's a good idea. Sure. It's an incredible screen for whatever you want to use it for. Like, like Austin was saying, to conceal your food plot to make them feel a little more secure or yeah. your own personal access. It could even be, if it's not a food plot, like Steve's seen where the one field, I've got kind of a narrow, uh, it's like a bottleneck where this field comes together that I have to walk through because of the way the easement into our property Mm -hmm. is. So I have to walk in front of it if I go anywhere beyond the first half of the property. Well, those deer always feed in that field. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, you you get most of the time just have to wait until the fields are completely clear or you're going to bump a bunch of deer off. Well, so this year I went in there and I planted that in front of the field so that basically you can slip they, right in yeah you can walk right by them and they don't know see that's and it, awesome it hiding awesome. behind it yeah. yeah this is the stuff i always dream about like when i own my own ground one day i'm gonna do all this shit and just have it groomed just real nice it is because that's, nice that's the way to do it man that's and you said it's inexpensive so why not just take yeah. a little yeah. bit of extra effort it's gonna go such a long way for you during your season you can use it to funnel deer too yeah it's thick enough you know 10 15 foot wide and they're they usually don't cross through it so you can use it as a funnel pinch the deer the way you want them to walk yep. right so down speaking, speaking, does that come back every year or is that you got planted no you plant it every year yeah, yeah. It's, it's annual. an annual i was gonna uh I think ross you were trying to say something but i was gonna I was, transfer to austin's lat the second buck for this let's, year yeah let's talk about his second buck because that way i was gonna talk about funneling deer but let's talk about well that let's after. do that let's do that let's talk about austin's buck and then let's get into our season cap and then we'll get into all that if okay. you guys are cool with that headed off austin so right. you, you predicted this buck, and in, well, in, the, in the podcast we record, I can't remember what episode it was. You kind of kind of did. I there was two deer that I'd seen on this 160 acre pasture, and I knew I would shoot the other deer if I seen him. He was find big. what episode that was, Eric, if you can. I think it was like 181 or 183. You're right, or something like You're right. that. Yep. But, um, Somewhere in there. Anyways, there was this great big framed eight pointer, and I would shoot him definitely. Or there was this old deer that I'd been after. He was the number one deer on my hit list for two years. Um, didn't have any pictures of him this year. And on November, it was like the 16th, he'd come out 20 yards from me and surprised me. But as soon as I'd seen him, I knew it was him. His main beams sweep up, and they almost touch in the front, and I have no other deer that look like that. So and it, long story short, he'd come in and out a couple of times. I never got a shot at him that day. Literally sat in the stand all day, didn't have a drink, didn't have anything to eat, sat there till dark, <laughs> got, got <Brutal>. down, got <laughs> down, and my trail camera hit. It was like the last day of November. It was like November 28, 29, my camera hit. That evening I went in, and normally I wouldn't hunt this spot, but the camera hit, and he was heading that way. So I went in, sat, and I wasn't in the stand 20 minutes, and he got up within, like literally within sight. I seen him get up uh, on a hot doe late season. We talked about that before, about how the second, kind of the second cycle comes in. Mm -hmm. Episode 181, by the way. Yep. Oh, you were right. He, uh, 
yeah, he come in right. I, I passed up a 50-yard shot coming through the brush. I figured he would come back by me. So he bumped the doe around on the ridge, and then they gradually worked their way up to me. And one of those things where we were talking when the opportunity's there, I don't really wait a whole lot. So he come in 20 yards, slightly quartering, already had the pin. I was already drew, already pre-ranged the tree, knew where he was at, and just let it rip. And uh, Ross helped me recover that deer. and. Yep. That was probably one of the best blood trails I think Holy I've ever smokes. seen. Uh, what'd you hit him with? Raptor, Raptor, Raptor trail. Those, dude, those things are, are <laughs> dude, they do some work. It was dude, vicious. This, this was vicious. by far the biggest blood trail I've ever seen. Like, I mean, like a horror movie. Three, four foot wide the whole time. That's just yeah. I'm sold spring. on them. My second buck we shot, or I shot with the Raptor trick as well. And that, just like Austin's saying, I, this thing just gushed blood everywhere. Low, it was like a red path the low, whole way to Yeah, it. Yeah, low yep. exit and just... I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you could have followed it without a flashlight. In the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, dude, don't think, like, you know, because uh, Slick Trick is part of the outdoor group. But, like, dude, if they weren't, we'd still be shooting. Yeah. Cause oh, those yeah. I, absolutely. Nasty. I shot them for years. My brother shot them for years. They're just a good head. Yeah, well, they don't do anything for our podcast, and I shoot the hell out of them. That <laughs> yeah. big doe I shot late season, Steve saw. Oh, you, oh my him. God. Yeah. yeah. I shot a 182-pound <laughs> doe. That was the craziest blood trail I've ever had as well. Low exit, same thing. Low exit's going to give you oh, yeah. a better blood Dude, trail. You should have seen the size Ooh. of this doe. That yeah. thing was a pig. <laughs> so you, you're following this blood trail. And yeah, so we get to walk up on him, finally get to put my hands on him. Which but we were sniffing it out. I mean, like glued to this velvet trail <laughs> of just nothing but red carpet all the way. <laughs> and we're standing four foot away from him looking around like, hey, we're, we're, so where's the blood at? And we look over and we're standing right on top yeah. of this deer. <laughs> that was that anybody was, ever had he that was two in all with oh, that yeah. blood trail. That <laughs> was it was fun though. I got to I got to pass on that deer when he was three years old, and got to either get pictures of him or pick up his sheds all the way up to seven years old. So that's the longest history I've ever had with a deer. So that was fun to walk up on him and put my hands on him and just well, you, know how that old is he was. Awesome. You got you got his sheds awesome. for four years. I got his sheds for every other year. So when he was three, oh, okay. when he was five, and then killed him when he was seven. That's nuts. Wow. Uh, That's pretty cool. One of our one of our buddies, uh, the, he was on the show. How long did he he got the Justin sheds? Speck? Dustin yeah. had the sheds for is it ten? I thought I'm, it's been a while. I think he said the deer was another, ten and a half or ten, nine and a half or ten and a half. Ten and a half, I believe. And he had sheds, and it was a very it was a th- um, a six pointer, and it was. So unmistakable that they're the same sheds. It was just so obvious, and he he brought all the history with it here and laid it out and and the buck, and it was just yeah, ten years of a big big story like that, big build up, which yeah, was real awesome. cool to see. It's, it's fun when it's unmistakable. Like I've been telling my brother, you know, this is the deer. He's like, you're just making that story up because it sounds nice and it fits. Like that could be a totally <laughs> different deer. Right. Well, when you walk up and you have the deer and you lay his sheds inside. This and they, is that and deer. The, the beam yeah. is perfect. The yeah. tines curve the same way. It's like you can this tell. is the deer. Yeah, exactly. right. Didn't right. I got a question. Do you guys know Dustin Speck? I've no. heard nope. his podcast on here and seen pictures Man, and you, stuff. You guys would really – we got to make this introduction. Hopefully he comes to the Working Class Bowhunter Party here yeah. in a week or so. Yeah, that would yeah. be yeah. – He's a good dude. Yeah. He would be the one more – I mean, there's a lot of guys who know that are studs, but he would fit right in with your guys' crew. I got a question for Austin. Yeah. Uh, did you ever lose track of that deer? I mean, did did you ever have a year that you wondered if he's still alive or that he showed no, back up? I had uh, basically three different farms I was getting pictures of him on. So I had, luckily, I had some neighboring farms where I could keep cameras and keep tabs. And 
summer range would be on one farm and then he would kind of move to this farm where i killed him um, pick his sheds up anywhere in between but um when he was uh six years old i got pictures of him that summer and never found his sheds and never had any hard horn pictures of him but yeah, I mean, every year I had pictures or sheds from him. That is crazy yeah. to think about. So if you were just hunting one of the farms, there's a good chance that you may have went years without knowing he's there. Oh, I When oh, I seen sure. him, when I passed on him when he was a three-year-old, I never got to lay eyes on him until November 16th or whatever it was this year when I seen him for the first time. I knew yeah. he was there, had had yeah. pictures and sheds, but I never personally got to see him from he, three he was, until seven. Isn't that crazy that you can, yeah. have, it, you can have cameras in the woods, you spend all your time out there, you scout, you're out, we live outside, and to have a deer that can go undetected like that. He was Absolutely. running. He was running a long area, though. It was probably a mile, mile and a half long where I was getting pictures. He, he was a traveler. Yeah. But yeah, you get, yeah, and you, it, I mean that does make a big difference. And you guys farm and stuff too, and you never saw them farming or like that. That just the whole. That's why I love whitetail so mind, much. Yeah, that's what makes it awesome. Well, How that, can and there's a 600 acre block of CRP sitting right next to it? So it's pretty easy to tuck in there and never be seen. Yeah, that's you true. Know, but gotta, still, it's it's a it's amazing. You gotta wonder if like you know a lot of those deers think that yeah, this is where I've scored the most chicks. So it's like it's always a go to. You know, you <laughs> I don't think, see them man, all year round, but November hits and they're like, man, I'm kind of, kind of feeling frisky and I've had good luck at this bar. So dude, here yeah. I go. But they, like they're like, just wired different. Like Kurt, oh, yeah. yeah, just like Kurt said though. I mean, it's. That's what drives us to hunt whitetails. But every every whitetail has a different personality. Mm-hmm. Some are yeah. homebodies. You guarantee they're going to be there mm-hmm. no matter what age they are. Uh, some of them are travelers. Uh, some of them are early season, late season. I mean, I've had, them, I've had them the same way. Just uh, you, end up, you end up killing a deer on another farm uh, a mile away. Mm-hmm. And you had velvet pictures of him here. But as soon as he loses velvet or right before he does, he shifts locations all together it's just I mean, crazy man it's crazy they throw you through they'll, they'll frustrate you to hell yep and then it's some years it just seems like it happens all too smoothly and, and those years when, when everything does come together and like say you can pattern a buck boom then you kill them within a few days you know the next year things just probably aren't going to go that smooth for you oh, because for sure. it doesn't it never works consistently like that because like you said every deer's personality is different so every year's not going to be in every an but, easy year because they're all different. But I'll tell you what, when you when you finally get to score on that deer that you were hunting for that long, whether it be a homebody or whether it be a, a traveler or whatever, uh, you finally make it happen. The history is what makes that so so uh, sweet. So sweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, I got a question for you guys, and I've 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 ran across this with some guys. I've I've heard them say it, and I've seen them say it online, and and maybe you have or have it. Have you ever seen somebody say, I think I have these whitetails figured out, kind of like in a brat? <laughs> and to me, I, to I say me, that every once in a while, does. but then I get humbled when we go out there. It's funny, we all started laughing when you asked You that. did, you did. <laughs> so, we've all said it before, I think. Yeah, that, dude, yeah. that, that some bitch is a cat herder for, you know, so, for a living. This, I know a guy that, that posted this. I'm not going to call him out. Call he's, him he's out. He's a good guy. Right. No. Um, he said that, and I'm like, write his name geez, down. Jeez, jeez. Well, this year, I don't know how many text messages Here, I got from him. Said, uh, <laughs> "Hey, man, have you seen anything this year? I just can't seem to figure these deer out." In like the year, like he he guided a couple people, whatever. 
But if you ever see that, and if you do, like, what do you think? Or have you ever, like, you, Austin, you said, yeah, I felt like that sometimes, or I've said that, and then, you know, you get humbled I, up. I get a feel for a deer, and I never obsess about one deer too much because he could be there three years in a row, and then he moves for two years, and then he's back. I mean, yep. you just never know. So I can get a feel for a deer, like, yeah, this year he's there. Like, I'm getting pictures of him every week. I got a good feeling I'm probably going to run into this deer if I put my time in and I'm careful with the way I hunt him. And but dude, and we, I, you can't obsess about one deer too much. And yeah, and we live with women, and we still haven't figured them out. So I, I, <laughs> if you figured out a wild animal, dude, you must be like Tarzan or something. And it was, <laughs> you know, it was numerous times, numerous times, Austin and I in the blind this year or stand, and something would go wrong at the end of the hunt, and we'd sit there, and as soon as something would happen, I'd just sit there and not say a word. Austin's like... Yeah, I don't know. I can't figure these fucking things out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy. It, it's just you never... Oh, man, I just unplugged my headphones or something. Uh-oh. This well, headphone break is brought to you by Iowa Pork Association. <laughs> I thought I shut the whole podcast <laughs> off. No, we're good. Just, just, you, just you, man. Just you. No. It's, it's tough. I mean, hey, that's what makes it fun, though. I mean, that's what keeps us coming back. I mean, I could sit here and cry and sob about all the the bad encounters or good encounters and and how it shaped up was bad but you know you when you come when you walk away from it and you think about it you should just i mean be happy with that i mean be Oops. you basically just be happy with the opportunity to even get a chance to see that yeah. deer yeah, let right. alone yeah. have an opportunity to shoot at him if it didn't work out you know what you learn something you put put it towards the next hunt and 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 keep pushing forward. I mean, that's, well, that's and I've then when it finally comes together, man, that's that's the whole well, nutshell. Dude, one of my my favorite hunt, uh, literally my favorite hunt this year, is when Clark's like, "Hey, you want to sit here for the afternoon? Since I got to do you a favor, you piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, you know, all he said to me was, "Hey, there's a big ten that's running around here. It, like, we haven't hunted this farm at all." And dude, just sitting there, and it was like. You know, they, and I think it was like pretty close to maybe it was in November or it was like late late October. It was a good time to be hunting because I remember you you texted me saying, "Yeah, Clark's." I'm you never guess where I am, and I'm like, "God damn it, he's over there bothering Clark." And I got <laughs> oh, really responsibility because you know, he's on my podcast. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I took you on one of my farms, Steve, I'd tell you there's a 200 incher running around, so you wouldn't shoot anything less than 160. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm yeah, probably that. shoot a 200. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Then he'd shoot a two hundred. <laughs> Smoke that son of a bitch. He was two hundred six. Shoot a two forty and hit it in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I hit him back. Well, how far back? Well, I clipped his tail off, so he's probably gonna bleed out from that. But it was it was one of those things that you know uh, it's always one of those exciting moments where you're sitting there and it's like opening day, where you know if you've you've got cameras or whatever, but like you just I I didn't know what was gonna happen, so. I was like every everything I heard. I was like, "Oh man, are they gonna come out here, here, here?" Because I I had no idea where I was at. He was just like, "Hey, go sit over there. The wind's good for this stand." I'm like, "Oh, okay, I got it, dude." Literally every moment of that hunt was so intense, and it was only like a four or five hour hunt. But it was it was like okay, well, so things uh, could, things could happen. Hunting I, unfamiliar properties is exciting because you don't oh, know. Like I almost. Trail cams are a beautiful thing because you know what's there. But I remember when I was younger, I used to hunt in Fulton County all the time uh, with a group of guys. That's where I, I grew up hunting. And 
I remember not knowing because we had the 35 millimeter trail cams then, and we had one, that's the old shitty stealth cam, and it got like three pictures out of the 200 it would take would actually develop. <laughs> and I kind of like that unknown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is kind of the cool thing yeah. about not having trail cameras is it's a mystery. Like you could have a 200 inch walk in, you don't know what's and there. And it still is. Yeah. I mean, they don't. Those trail cameras don't That's get true. everything. But yeah, when you've got one running for three months and you get the same four deer, the same four bucks on it, you have a pretty good idea uh, what's in there. Yeah. But sure. there's always that element, of them. there's always that element of surprise, and it's like Ross, that big deer you had that encounter with. How yep. many times? How many pictures you get of him this year? Oh. None. Zero. 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 Yeah, Zero. That's, that's amazing. But, but he walked yep. in that field like he knew exactly where we was at. Yeah. I'd, seen, and he I'd did. seen that He's deer feeding two miles away like a week before that, and I thought, if there's a big one here, maybe we'll get lucky and see him, and sure right. enough, here he come. Okay. But that late season gets really fun when anything can happen. Any so, big sure. deer can show up. And so up. even with the most badass trail camera you can get, cell camera, uh, Black Hawk, I'm going to call the Black Hawk the most badass, but um, it is. either way, <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Um, so even with the with a really really good one, you talked about your old dogs that you were running before, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, I, I used to run those same ones. And we, did you we guys all it, Clark? Did you run thirty five millimeter as well? Oh yeah. How many did you guys have? Do you you guys all run them as well? I had two. I had one. I had two. my first picture a nice hundred and twenty inch eight pointer, and I just thought, man, that's the coolest how, shit how ever. How cool is this? Do you okay. still have those <laughs> pictures? Let me, yeah. Let me ask you this. I don't. Do you remember uh, the wildlife eye? That Drury oh, pushed yeah. for like a year, and then yeah. Real Trail Games, the video came out, and that shit went away so fast. Yeah, <laughs> that thing was huge. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the prototype. They had it like, yeah, the prototype. It was a ammunition box from yeah. like Menards or whatever with a plexiglass window on I it. run one of those. Yeah. Did you really? I, was, uh, I helped the technicians, the Bobcat technicians for the Iowa DNR. And they had those <laughs> as like a black ammo, ammo box, and it had like a little, uh, I don't know, like window. a little eye that you had to put like 40 feet away, and anything that walked in between it would trip the camera. No shit. Yeah, kind of like a like garage door? Yeah. <laughs> dude, I was, I was looking at <laughs> some uh, some old pictures of uh, this old timer. Uh, he was like friends with my uncle. He was showing me. And like every picture I started like flipping through, and he was like just kind of going over a couple. I was like, well, what the hell was that? I was thinking it was a moon, dude. He like mounted a clock. To like this thing so he could tell what time it was because I guess the camera <laughs> he had clock. a clock in the background that's, yeah that's oh awesome yeah. that is badass they, they put a damn uh, clock in there I'm like dude, I've never ever seen that before but he's like you know the camera just it never told the right time so they were getting pictures in the middle of the day what's up here. task cam $25 Walmart camera yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah he had like a, a clock and it was like a, like on a like a tree like you know back a little bit you could still kind of tell what time it was you just barely see Okay, I'll tell you one one quick story. If there's any old-timers out there, they'll probably remember these, but I don't know if you guys will. I'm 42, the oldest guy in the room, but my first trail camera wasn't a trail camera. My first trail, it was basically you pulled this. It looked like a fishing line that hooked into a little clock, a little digital clock, and you hooked it to one tree, and when a deer walked across and, and popped that thing, it pulled the tab out of the clock, and it stopped the clock. So you knew a deer no. crossed oh that trail. God. No, yeah. so no. You had, to go, you had to go back and reset it after a yeah, deer walked Yeah, you got there. one trigger. That's it. <laughs> it literally, a deer walked across that trail. And all they told you what, what the, time it came through. Yeah, 7.52 in the morning. Holy shit. Did you, ever, did, did you ever pattern a deer and kill one off that? And you didn't know what it was. 
Well, I thought I did. Oh. No, pi- no picture of it. Nothing. I shot a six-pointer. I mean, this is back in, I don't know, the 80s or something. No, never even knew they made such a thing. What brand made that? What brand was um, it? Some Vietnam. It was called Trail Timer. I think it was called Game Tracker. I was oh going to say, that's something that Wild same, Game Nation would put think, out now. Well, it was the same company that had the string that actually, like a bow fishing reel, except it was more like a fishing string. Oh, and it tracked your deer? Like it left yeah. out like a 30-foot yeah. like string? Same company, yeah. <laughs> no way. Like, it wasn't 30 feet. It was like a 400-foot yeah, like string. <laughs> basically, you was attached to Wait. that deer. They Wait, were, hold, so on, that on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no, I'm trying to hear this. Let me make this point. They were Wild Game Nation of the 80s. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> And Trophy I bought every tape. bit of it. Yeah, I bought that. Then I moved into scent wafers when oh, things got good. <laughs> oh God, I still so remember that smell, the old estrus scent yeah. wafers. Like, if there's any smell that brings me back to beginning deer hunting, earth. The old, well, the earth was good, but the estrus scent wafers, I yeah. still remember oh, that smell. Oh, yeah. I was going to say the earth scent, man. I, growing up, like, I even knew then, I was at, like, I was 9, 10. A guy had an earth scent wafer, and I'm like, it doesn't smell fucking anything like that. Like, <laughs> if I dug a hole maybe eight foot deep in the middle of the woods, like the composted black dirt, yeah, maybe it sort of smells like that earth wafer. But a deer's oh going to roll in and be like, fuck, it smells like dirt in here. I'm getting hell tried everything. Hey, do you, ever, do you ever see, like, there's an excavator over there. I'm out. <laughs> I always see, like, old videos of, like, Philip Vanderpool, and I love the guy to death. And I always, like, see on his hat, I think he's got, like, the earth wafers, like, on his hat. Oh, yeah, hanging on the hat. <laughs> and oh, that is, like, that. that is classic shit. I love that. It, Man, it is sort of that. classy. Like, when I do smell that earth wafer, artificial earth scent, it kind of brings me back to, like, the beginning day. Like, it's kind of, like... It's almost like a smell of my childhood in a yeah, weird, yeah, strange way. Sure. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's I, th- I think of deer season when I was 13 years old. Yeah, yeah, man. That's what I live for. I watched Monster Bucks on repeat on VHS and then smelled earth wafers. That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. well, it's like you throw your clothes in a tote and you throw a scent wafer in I, there. I, I dreamed about killing big bucks and I yeah. killed this guy. That, you know, that was my big buck that's, at the time. Yep, you for know? sure. And that's just, I, got, I pointed to the my first buck on the wall <laughs> for all the listeners here. Yep. But... um. Okay, we're at an hour. What I want to do now is finally transition to I want to basically break down a season. That's cool with you guys. Right now we are in what people would call shed season, if you will. And I guess I'll just cut with this. I the I have a shed sitting here on the studio table that I found 3 weeks ago, which is fairly very early. And normally I wouldn't be shed hunting, but I checked the trail cam and like it was Small draws and points that were in a field. I'm, like, I'm just going to walk a field edge and see. And I found that shed. I got lucky. When do you guys normally start shed hunting? And then I'm just going to cut this loose to you guys. Whoever wants to go first, Clark, anyone, we can just don't feel just feel free to rip. You know, if just you got okay. something you want to point go. out, take it away. My number one day usually, I try to aim for Valentine's days. So around the 14th of February, that's just Aww. kind of a ballpark. Well, I should be I should be with my wife, but I'm I'm shed hunting. But no, <laughs> just, I use that as a ballpark, and I'm not saying that some years it's no, not you use the that for an excuse. Yeah, and I kind of monitor my trail cams a little bit more now than I used to. But that's when I used to. I, I figure the prime time's closer to March first, but mm-hmm. I kind of hate the way the squirrels chew them up. So I, yeah. I tend like, to risk going in and the guys from Red Rising when they podcast with them at ATA. They said March Madness week is when they really get in and start yeah. looking hard. And I don't know if you guys agree with that. I I thought. My experience is my sheds are always chewed on a little it too is, much. Yeah. By oh, yeah. Look at that shed right there. I found that three. Yeah, um, it's already chewed up. And it's chewed up, and it had blood on the base already. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Blood my, on the base and chewed up already. I already? My, Squirrels are hungry, man. <laughs> had blood on the base already, immediately. Yeah. My <laughs> best day in the shed hunting woods was on March 17th. Uh, it was in 2012. I picked up five match sets, over 130, and 20-some tw- sheds on a 160 in two and a half hours. But That's late in the season, too, man. They, they were, some of them were chewed up pretty good. Um, St. Patrick's Day weekend, It just depends is. on what you want. You want to pick up a lot of sheds. You want to pick up five or six really good ones that are in good shape, you know. And yeah. possibly run out the other deer that were there. That's the thing. Right. If you got a right. big one staying there, you're going to go in and bump him out. So I'm going to I'm gonna wait till at least this weekend before I start checking some fields. Okay, so this podcast gets released. For everyone in podcast land, ignore, ignore this. Tuesday. So of next week we're recording this on a thursday so we're this is it's february 15th now of the recording yeah so you would wait uh i'll just say this we're in west central illinois february 1st i saw 13 deer wearing both sides still um the other day when i went out (laughs) coyote hunting i saw one wearing both sides so yeah this this weekend if it gets up in the 50s i'm probably going to go out and start looking Okay. Yep. Is that fair? Does everyone yeah, agree absolutely. on that, you think, here? I agree with that. I think an inside-out approach or outside-in approach is there just, just like you would with your deer hunting, too. Uh, maybe don't stomp out the bedding areas or your your areas where you think the deer are at. Start with your field edges. Yeah, start on your edges. Yep. Check them food plots that they've been hitting hard, uh, the soybeans or so on, turnips. Yeah. Check absolutely. those out, kind of work, work some of the grassy points where you're not running all your deer out mm-hmm. by the 5th or 6th of March. I would start cutting into all my good stuff oh, at yeah. that point. That's yeah. what I kind of did last weekend, just kind of zigzagged about 10 feet in mm-hmm. to That's the field edge and kind of zigzag. Right. That's what I do with that shed, just walk some field edges type yep. of stuff. Stuff bad, where deer are used thing, to seeing people. bad thing about that is all the sheds that are dropped in the timber are going to be chewed up twice yeah. as bad yeah, as in right. the field. So the stuff that you're leaving longer is going to have the heaviest pressure yeah. from yeah. Yeah. I would. I'd, I'd rather have it. Chewed up a little bit, and then spook them out of there that's for a, a whole season. That's right. how that, I am. You know, so that's a good yeah. trade. So, would you say is this fair to say? Hit your field edges first before you go deep in timber, and you know, you're going to sacrifice the squirrels on that mm-hmm. one. Hit CRP last because less squirrels. Yeah, that's right. CRP yeah. is going to be safe, probably. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. okay. I've got a. Good I had buddy. someone argue that the other day. Yeah. Okay. A couple weeks ago. What was well, their point? Why would they wait? They were going to walk CRP first because it's not the timber. And I said, well, CRPs, where deer like to spend a lot of yeah, their time. Well, they, they could all be bedded up in there, yeah. so That's why would you blow them out? He, yeah, they may be bedded in that CRP, or they may be bedded up. I mean, if he knows where the bedding areas are, then, then yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if As he a knows, general sense, but though. In, yeah. yeah, I mean, CRP, you know the deer are bedded up in there. so you I think you just got to take like a common sense approach. If uh, I have a buddy that he called me. It was probably close to a month ago now, and he had a target buck that um, his Big Ten, he called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deer had shed one side and walked right in front of his camera. So he knew somewhere on his farm was that one side. A uh, couple days later, he's got another picture. Both both are gone. He's sure it's the same deer. So he said, hey, I'm going after that deer. Um, he said, I know it may not be the smartest, but I don't want those to be chewed up. And he yeah. went in and found both of them. See, that's, uh, a, that's a cool aspect. And I, I'm, I had some bucks on cell cam that I thought, you know, hey, he shed both sides. I'm going to go and find him. I went in and didn't find him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a farm that – it's a property where I know they're going to run cattle next year in the timber. Yeah. So I wasn't scared about I'm just going to go in there and get after it because it ain't going to be worth hunting next year. Yeah, because if the cattle are going to start chewing yeah, sheds, like you guys saw that I just bring it up, yeah. Yeah, dude. So it's, it's, I went and looked. I didn't find them. And uh, 
I checked another property I had where I found this shed here that's sitting on the studio table, and I just walked the outskirts, and I, I saw three bucks still holding both sides. So I, ba- I bailed out, and we'll probably go look again this coming weekend. Um, and, and I'll I think, still I'll hit her light, but hits I'll get a little more aggressive probably. Yeah. I think but. with this this weekend coming up where it's, we got a bunch of snow, but now it's getting warmer out this weekend, I think it's going to be a good weekend. I think so it'll be good. We, we earlier in this episode talked about – how shitty Iowa is, right? <laughs> of course, it's a shithole. Uh, and we heard that. You know what's like Donald <laughs> Trump? That's what Donald Trump said about shit Iowa. Hole. Shithole. <laughs> you know what I like about Iowa? We're really stroking in here. Now. Iowa allows deer feeding. Yeah, that is, gets a so good, good aspect. Outside of uh, the season, you can start feeding your deer. So season clocks out. Now we start feeding our deer. Yep. And that's how Bill Winky goes in and picks up a specific deer because he's got them. Well, he, he probably he has goes, a trough with like a wood awning he, he to keep goes the moisture he, out. He, yeah, you ever he seen does, that? He does his chores every day and has a trail camera there and pulls a card every day he's there to do it. I sat through two of his seminars and he told exactly how he did it, and I am very impressed on, on how he accomplishes this thing. But I'll he, tell you right he, now. There's a, there's a deer that he's after. This deer's on camera every day sitting there eating out of that corn pile uh, after season's out, obviously. Um he goes in, he pulls the card, realizes that deer had shed his horns. He could he could pinpoint him because he had a um, a mark on his ear or a mark on his Those guys look at so many you know, pictures he, he knows, yeah. So and he literally walked in there, picked up those sheds and that was the end of it. They were within a hundred yards of the uh See that's a good point, you know. Cool. In Iowa, Eric, you should have some wood feeders built with a little cover to keep. Them I don't know. Yeah, or the you can put what? like uh, you can put like uh, bands across, like like little bungee cords, so when they go in there, it'll not shed traps are illegal, yeah. my friend. But any, I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm just trying to get them banned out of Iowa. We can do that mm-hmm. out of season, but I still don't do it. You I mean, don't, I, man. I don't. Really? I, no, I think you should take advantage of I that. Think you I really do. I should, but I mean. At the same turn. time, going in there all the time, putting corn in, doing all that shit. I, just, yeah, but, I don't have time to do it. But if yeah. you built a it wood trough and you put it out there and you just fed them from whenever your season ends in Iowa till March, three months. But there's a lot of properties where I can't put a wood trough on. It's not like I can yeah. just go out there and start building shit on my property saying, oh. I hear you. Hey, this I guy's like, the, hey, what the hell is that I, thing? I watched know? an I episode a while back of the Drury Brothers on a shed day, shed hunt. Right. And, they uh, there's a creek feeder, creek feeder for calves, cows out there yeah. that they go and eat out of, and they pulled two sheds out of a creek feeder. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> crazy. Hey, that's not that's not baiting. That's not feeding. That's not right. you're just feeding your yeah. cows, and they yeah. get into it. They go so. to well, the, uh, yeah, you know. Awesome. I think the juries also have like on like an old horse barn, and they're like, dude, we know there's deer in there, so they put a camera up in there in this old horse barn. And dude, there's deer that are just hanging out in there. Like, yeah. imagine in that. The, in the barn. Okay. Yeah. Right. So imagine that. You find a shed in there. <laughs> right. Let's That'd do this. Awesome. Let's wrap up shed season. So let's All say, right. let's do this. For our listeners that are like, man, I still, I just don't know on my property. I, you know, maybe I'm at a different spot. In the Midwest, let me break it around. We'll go through the three of you. Clark, if you had to pick a window of when to start shed hunting, what date would it be? When would you start? If I was going to give you a window, I'd say... February twentieth to March tenth. That's a good window. Okay, I, I agree with that. Okay, yeah, Rosalind, yeah. I'm right there. I'm within five days of that. God, you guys there they are. suck. There they are, man. Yeah, we're gonna not going to argue about that. We man. need an argument right. here. <laughs> okay, okay. So shed season's over. You did your shed hunting. Things are getting chewed up. You brought your girlfriends with, right, or wives, whatever you guys got. No, oh. 
<laughs> all eight of Ross's kids, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stallion. Okay, so what, in your guys' heads of whitetails, what would be the next season? Would it be midsummer when you're planting planting season or, or spring planting season? Or what would be the next, like, notable Honestly, we're gonna pull out chapter. Of, we're gonna pull out a shed season and get ready for turkeys. Okay, but and then, we're talking <laughs> whitetails in the whitetail world. <laughs> and then I, we're think, gonna... <laughs> I think when I bend down and pick up that antler, that's like the transition. That's going okay. from one season to the next. Like, all right, this was you last year, and now I have you for this year. I know where you were at in the late range. Aww. Like now, I'm starting to figure you out. It's getting sweet, right? right. Well, a little bit. So yeah, you're starting to build up for the next year. I mean, you you got a game plan. You know, he's here in the late season. You're hoping he's he's going to be okay. there. That's a good point. That's Give him a reason to be there. All right, now let's 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 plant some food plots and let's get these deer here. Okay. Hopefully, get. But some is that pictures. immediately like after shed shed season? You're like, okay, shed season over. What am I thinking about now? Right. Is that food right. plots and all, everything else. All the prep that you can put into to food plots and Clark Cummings is the master. I was just about to say out of the three of you because I was trying to get you guys to argue who plants the uh, best food plots. But I've seen a couple of Clark's food plants uh, or plants. Pl- food plants. There's like two plants left. Food plants. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's an eggplant and uh, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, my friend, plant some really really green well, food plots. For time's sake, talk about your your most. How do I word it? What you would recommend the most for a Midwestern situation that you feel is the most effective that the deer are going to hit, maybe there's a, probably a couple different blends or whatever you plant throughout Mixes? the season that it's most going to utilize you for a general purpose in a, Dude, in a white tail season. We had his notebook here. Remember we left yeah. it and we had yeah, his like like, secret like, recipe. Yeah, but the <laughs> listeners didn't have his notebook. Yeah. I got that notebook and I've, I've kept it in my secret oh, you file. Still it's have like it? the green notebook on... Um, on a water boy, oh, water yeah. Boy, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have this playbook, <laughs> Mr. Coach Klein. I'm going. <laughs> okay, so you don't I'm, want it to get physical around here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rewind real quick, just because I think there's one important thing that I like to do uh, pre-shed. It depends on how the snow falls and when it falls, but uh, sometimes before shed season, I'll take one one day and. Work I out on Instagram. Is, I do that. Oh, okay, but <laughs> this is another <laughs> hero. Uh, but no, I think I think one thing that we I don't know if we skipped or if I'm the only guy that's psycho enough to do this stuff. But I'll take a day when there's snow on the ground here in the Midwest, and I'll walk the terrain. And what I'm looking for is terrain features that force the deer down. Um, and I'm marking that with a little pink ribbon, or if you have a phone, you can drop a pin. Force the deer down. Yeah, basically. Imagine a couple ridge lines coming together, and you're not sure how they're using that ridge line. And it's some people will argue, well, that's just during the winter, but it's not. I mean, it's the terrain itself that's forcing those deer down. So, okay, I take that time before a lot of times before I start shed hunting, and I'll just I'll walk and just kind of follow the trails, see where they go, see where they intersect. Uh, I'll try to develop a plan. I will right tell you there. right now that is fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah, so, it's, so it's, it's almost seriously. like hidden pinches and stuff. Is kind of yeah, what you exactly. Mean by that. That's okay. what you're looking for. You're looking for some reason. Once you step back, you'll see why they got forced down to that particular spot. Why four trails come together right there? Right, right. And then you got to decide. You'll find a lot of those, but some of them you can't hunt. There's no possible way you're going to get to them. So right. what you're looking for is the ones. Okay, I can backdoor this one and get in here to that. So that's where I'll hang my ribbon. If it's a spot that I think. This deserves a second look later. I'll, I'll put it there. And I've had some people say, well, 
how do you what made you think to put your stand here why well mm-hmm. it's because of that walk in the winter time it, it forced him down and it's going to be the same way when a buck starts running a doe or if a buck's just up cruising. he knows that path so he's going to yep. force that doe down that path because he's familiar with that all exactly. in simplified Dude. terms natural terrain features are causing him causing deer in general to move a certain yeah. way and it's not something you have to do every single year because your property, if you're hunting 40 acres, it's not going to change. These are features that stay. Are, yeah, they're going to they're land features. Neck, neck those deer down into a small area. So that's a big, big point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's and huge. now you can use your cell phone. I always started off with either ribbon, just tie and carry around a little spool of that orange ribbon, like surveyor's ribbon, and just yeah. I'd tie it. If I found an exact tree that I wanted, I'd wrap it the whole way around the tree, so that when I come back, because you know how when you come back in the late late summer and you're yep. wondering even in the spring because it all looks different it's all greened up you can't yep. find that tree like i know there was a tree here that i wanted but none of it makes sense i can't even find a trail near it yeah that's but huge. If you come back to that spot in the winter you're going to find all those trails one Damn. thing i thought you were going to bring up when you said that and that's mm-hmm. an awesome point i'm glad you brought that up i thought you were going to say frost seeding yeah that's that's what i was doing i was actually doing that today which is what's today the 15th, 15th. Yeah. so explain yeah. what frost seeding is frost seeding is is basically uh it works good for your your hard seeds like clover, uh, alfalfa, so on. That if you're going to go in there this time of year, why the ground's still frozen? It doesn't necessarily have to be right now. It could be a month ago, depending on the conditions. But what you're looking for is right before that freeze thaw, mm-hmm. um, and right before I like warm a little days. snow on the ground. For one, you can track exactly where you are spreading your seed, but. And that that makes it really easy. But I go in on like an existing clover plot that maybe is weak. You noticed it was getting a little thin. too many gaps, too too thin. Sure, right. I'll go in there. I'll, I'll I'll cut the rate down to about a half of what I'd normally seed, and I'll just go right over the snow um, and let the snow take that in. And then as the ground, you you know you're going to get the days that are forty five. Then you're going to drop back down to twenty, and which is coming so up. On. Yeah, yeah, we're going like to have that coming up this week, and that's why today was a prime. <laughs> that prime melty, day. sloppy, but still snow on yep. the ground type. That's going to suck that into the ground. Yeah, it sucks it in and sets yep. it perfectly. So then you get that perfect green up. And you're talking about a hundred percent clover plot. Yeah, what I'll do hardy is, seeds, pretty much. Yeah, it doesn't seem to work as good like with grass seeds and so like on. You, they kind of tend to rot, but oh, really? okay, um, it, it works better. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I know people use it for switchgrass, but that's a lot harder seed, and and that sometimes has to be stratified anyway. Okay. So, your that that works for switchgrass, but um, I know like native grasses and and oats and so on. It I don't see a lot of benefit to doing that. Um, but as far as your hard seeds, if you got uh, a weak stand of clover, for sure is is prime. Just go in there with some medium medium red clover or, or a ladino clover and mm-hmm. overseed your plots or if you're planting imperial clover or i use arrow seed which has a like a three clover mix in it i'll just use that same mix and just cut the rate down okay and go in there and spread that on top see you're using okay. a lot of big words and because i don't know what that means i'm taking it as disrespect okay so watch your mouth okay. <laughs> <laughs> which which one didn't you like what okay. what happened is that got so serious and we were like absorbing your information that steve felt uncomfortable because his brain couldn't take it in like me and eric's and the rest of the crew here did right. that he, so had he drops a dumbass comment yes no, that's what happens that's why when i'm like hey listen dude the white tail experts are coming in the studio hey, listen shut the fuck up right? that's why i never <laughs> listen that's why i'm doing this right now i'm taking notes of everything that fucking no Clark's i yeah, right now. So was the it nice thing is we can just got your. <laughs> no, I, I did think that in man. That uh, that was some 
some really brilliant some shit. shit. Now, I like some brilliant shit. Do you uh, so most brilliant of shit? If you if you plant that, I mean, when you do like your frost seeding, is it like within one year that you'll be able to? Well, that spring, I like would that assume, next right? year. Yeah. It's going to produce those results. So do you have to consistently do that, or is it just kind of something that maybe you've only had to do on this field yeah. once or twice, or you got to constantly do it? Cause no, you don't depend on your seed, right? I look at it. Well, what I look at is the year before. Like if I had an awesome clover stand, I'm not going to do anything with that that year. If, if it was weak that fall before, I'll go ahead and go in and do it. Uh, this year, the reason I'm doing a lot of them this year is we had that hardcore drought last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We went yep. two or over two months with zero rain. So yeah. I feel like a lot of that new stuff that I planted back in late August or early September, some of it's not going to come up. Some of it surely will, but I know I'm probably not going to get really 100%. Your, it's it's giving it like a booster. Season. Yeah. It's a booster for yep. your food plots. So, okay, food plots are in. Deer are feeding them the food plots. Antlers are regrowing. Where are we at from there? Where would you guys put us after that season? You know, we do all this work, late winter, early spring, planting, all that. Based on all the knowledge you gained out of shed hunting and looking at all the trails, Yep, you figure out where they're at late season, what they're doing, moving. The, the thing about it is, for me, when I'm shed hunting and I find all these trails and I, I see where the deer are moving, I base that on late season. I can't say that's where i'm going to be during the rut you you really don't know i mean that's a whole another animal on its own so mm-hmm. at, at, for in my opinion i'm just i'm i'm looking at that late season stuff i like the late season seems like that's the only time i get to hunt but uh i'm, I'm liking that late season because i i put my food plots in for late season i put my food plots in to kill at that last window yeah, but and you're the guy that I throw my money on late season. I told you that too. When when oh, absolutely, well, you you were only about 18 inches off. So. Hey, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all? I know that's usually yeah. the case. <laughs> Collectively, yeah, that's the story of us. And I remember telling the boys, me and you talked for a couple weeks there about your late season situation. I'll let you get back to this, yep. but I remember telling the boys in the studio, I'm like, Ross will kill. Uh-huh. And maybe this is where I fucked you. But I'm like, Ross will you did. kill. You jinxed me, man. <laughs> you he didn't knock me. on wood. It come right down on the wire and it, it, whatever. It, it hey, didn't. it's a it's a game. Yep, I tried. Respect game. the game, Ross. That's respect right. the game. <laughs> Pissed off, but I respect Hit the game. Hit you with your own pun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it it doesn't. It doesn't always happen, no matter what you you put your time in. You, you concentrate on, on getting that perfect situation. Yeah. And like Austin said, comes down to five seconds. Well, that's the thing. Can't pull it off. You know, that's what's cool about your situations. Like you said, most of your hard hunting happens late season. Yep. And there's a lot of guys that are listening, working class bow hunters out there, guys and gals, that might have jobs where they can't hunt until late season. So a lot of them are relating to what you're saying because that's, you know, you own your own business. You're a busy guy. And I'll call you early season. You're like, dude, I haven't even been out. Yep. You know, I I, I haven't been out really at all. Tough. And, and add moving houses because you got a new house. <laughs> and all so the babies you make. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Uh, yeah, between moving houses and making babies and, and trying to take care of the 
and working. Uh, yeah, and yeah. He's a married man, just so everyone knows. Like he's not just making babies. Yeah, he's not just out here as a baby factory. Like, oh, let's see how many I can. He's not rutting every year. He's got one lady he ruts on. I do rut every year, basically, basically every month. But yeah, <laughs> every Friday he's rutting. Every Friday night after two Crown no, Royals, it, it just it, it comes down to a whole lot of a whole lot of things that hold me back from getting in that prime time hunt. Like I, I love the rut. I mean, you get in that rut and you have that huge deer come through. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. But I guess for me, I keep talking about the late season because it seems to be the only luck I have is late season. Uh, so try, is it fair to say try to, to get in a rut? I, you know what, uh, Austin and I were in the tree uh, on November seventh, which is my lucky day. I love November seventh, and I had an opportunity at a deer walked right underneath us. We couldn't even get him get up in the tree and get set up. No cameras rolling. It was we barely got the arm mounted, and here comes this buck, and he's walking right underneath us. Austin mounts the camera, turns it on, and gets I'm getting right Ross on the deer. putting his release on when the deer's two yards from the base of the tree <laughs> as he's walking by. Us. No kidding, he was too. He he literally turned the camera on, and and the deer's walking right underneath us. Like, Isn't that like, crazy though? You could walk in, you know, any other time, and he's gone for a whole season. Oh yeah. But then you walk in that time, and you know when you walked in, he was probably twenty, thirty yards and, away. And all, and all your buddies in the surrounding area are getting pictures of him, right? And they're like, "What <laughs> the that... hell?" Because he probably got dared by his other buddies. It's like, "Hey, they're coming in. I dare you to go walk past that. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you hit some of these oats if you do." <laughs> I think they but, hear you come in sometimes and follow oh yeah, that. They do, dude. That For happened sure. to me this year. That yeah. big buck that I my range finder and I just yep. I hit him high. I was sitting in my stand. I was I didn't have my bow hung up yet, and I look over and see a buck going up the hill behind him. And uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, sh- shit. You know what? Hang my bow up, and I'm like putting my release on, shaking. I'm like, and I texted the group. He went away, and I'm like, I just saw a fucking monster. And then here he comes back by, and you just, the whole thing you just up. nailed a point there, Kurt, because I'm telling you, they, Austin and I walked into the heart of his pasture this year, and I was filming him. We walked in. We made more noise than, than a rock quarry, and we got all set, and all of a sudden, here comes this big boy. Pulls him in, dude. He come right down, right underneath us. Yeah, I don't know, the only 20, deer we've seen 20. in three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. right when we got there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still too dark to see a fucking thing. But we we, dude, we knew I, he was there. I mean, we could we could see him in the moonlight, basically. See his outline. But I know yeah, a he guy. He's a big boy. I know a guy that has killed several deer while hanging a stand. He'll. This is what he always does, and shout out Jeff Powell's. Um, I used I grew up hunting with this guy. I learned a lot of knowledge from this man. <laughs> He would hang his stands when he gets up into his stand, hang it as he goes up, and he would keep his bow tied to his pull-up rope. And uh-huh. why he's sawing limbs, I don't know how many deer he's killed just sawing limbs. I'll bet you that guy's hunted a little longer than maybe we have. He's a, he's a stud. We, we all know how effective the hanging hunt is. Usually it doesn't happen when we're in the process of hanging. Usually you get up in it and wait a little bit. Yeah, his, his, it's got to suck. His is, he, I know he's killed at least two biggins. While hanging, Biggin. his bow attached to the, on the ground, attached to a string, sawing with like a pole saw, and then have a deer run in, and he'll hurry up and shoot. You know, you know he had it just there, just in well, case. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of suck for you guys because, of like, you know, when you guys are filming, yeah, you're not just hanging and hunting. It's like, you know, right. when, when you see the, it's a, it's you know, a, oh, shit, you're setting up was, a mini studio in a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're bringing like, two backpack. You're like, oh, the. the, the you know, you see him it later that time. night. You're like the deer. You know, across this field here, we've got. You know, maybe or maybe they're like forty yards over this way. It's like, oh, let's go put a tree over here, and it's like, dude, you're not just hanging one stand; you're hanging two stands, 
get in the camera arm. Right. Ross has got to put his makeup on, or you got to put your eyeshadow on. Trim his Austin, beard up. You know. trim, trim a beard. Yeah, so you're leaving beard flakes everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> it's just a... That's a good wow. thing, though, what Kurt just said, because I do that, too. Like, if I'm going in to hang and hunt, I always attach my rope to my bow as I go up the tree and hang my stand. So when you get up there, you're not going back down to get your bow and and hook it up you know it's yeah. i just i always hook it on my it's belt. all gonna be in one motion yep i hook it up in my belt loop that rope and hook it up to my bow and then just set my sticks set the stand once you get in the stand you know set your hanger and everything else and then you can just pull your bow right up you don't have to go back down for anything i mean it makes right. you, it makes you wonder too i mean you know if these if there hasn't been a lot of pressure on these deer and now all of a sudden they're hearing something getting sawed you know it's they're curious, you know. Yeah, yeah they and, are and, curious. And you always animals. hear that, you know. Uh, obviously, deer they live in this area. So if you hear something different, like you know, you know how you get when, like, if you're at the house and you know all 19 of your kids are also like, you know, quiet. You're like, okay, something's up. Or you hear a strange noise in the house. You know, my first thought is, oh god, it's a ghost or an alien. <laughs> but because you're in the dark, right? No, I keep the lights on in my house uh, at all times. You still use a nightlight? He's scared of the dark. Yeah. No, I do. I, I I leave the salt lamp on. But yeah, it's <laughs> you know I I, I kind of wonder you know what what goes through like um, you know there's obviously going to be something that uh, piques your curiosity. Like if you if yeah if there is an interesting noise in your house, you might go check it out. I mean you'll go up there cautiously, but you'll check it out. That's well, the yeah, thing. That's the thing. They're know. coming in when they do come in, and this deer came in, and I thought, holy smokes. This deer's walking in on us, making all this noise. He came in very cautiously. Mm. So you're they're not, finicky, even, but even they're if, curious. Yeah, mm-hmm. even if it was daylight, even I mean, you draw your bow and you're going to shoot this deer. He any little bitty thing is going to make him run fast. So it, I don't know. It's a. But I mean, Steve kind of makes a there, good, good point. You live in your house for ten years, and all of a sudden you hear a different noise in your house. <laughs> you notice that right away. You're like, yeah. What in the hell was that? Well, yeah, I always use the tiny uh, little sound. I always use the analogy: if you walk into your living room and you smell another dude's cologne, oh yo, yeah, yo, Ooh. what the fuck? <laughs> you know, <laughs> shit's going down. Like you're flipping furniture over. You, Have you, you done know? this before? <laughs> it sounds like yes. <laughs> well, you know what I, I mean. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Good lord. <laughs> if, if, if you go into a deer's bedding area, that's the most fragile place. I think we could all agree on that. If you yeah, go in there sure. and your human scent, even though you think you're scentless. You go in there and you put deodorant on two days ago. That deer's going to smell your deodorant, probably. And, and sometimes you get a little close to the bedding area, so you know you're, you're walking on pins and needles. And that's the when w- you get down in that hot spot. And, would, would you and agree that's the gray area of success, though? Like there's it can, a weird it gray can be, area. and it can hurt you in the worst way. So, okay, so let's can we take this and let's transition? We did we talked food plots. We're getting in like midsummer. Velvet antlers are growing. And I, I want to talk into like the break in. This is where I'm transit. I'm basically transitioning from pressure to early season and pressure and scouting and like pre season. Yeah. So oh. if, if we're in velvet, how fragile do you guys think a buck is in July? How fragile is he on pressure? Are I you don't think, take a chance of burger. Yeah, I think it's just as fragile as any other time. So of are you out of there? So do, what do you scout from a distance? Do yeah, you not scout? I'm, do you leave it alone? If I'm closer than. 200 yards from him i'm too close i mean i'm yeah. i'm like 300 plus like i'm i'm far enough away i can't pick out a certain deer i just know that there's a big deer using this spot come if i get a rainy day yeah come october one i'm gonna come and check time it to out. get the drone so, out so yeah. do you <laughs> summer scouting do you guys 
I'll tell you what I do, and you, I want you to tell me if you do it differently because this is a chance for me to learn because I've never broken down a whole season with guys that I respect as whitetail experts. Respect the game. And there you go. The puns are endless. And <laughs> our listeners might not know you guys as well as we know you or know you guys in the industry as the whitetail experts like El Bill Winky, but I look at you guys as the three of you are the knowledge that I can call or ask for advice for like a Bill Winky. Like I put you guys up there in that up in there in that cloud with the Winky. It <laughs> sounds the weird. I don't with know the, about with all the that. Winky. <laughs> Bill Winky's the man. He's but, the god. But if you know Bohan and you know yeah. that's yeah. You he, also need your car towed, you can call uh, Clark right. too. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a one stop shop with you guys, man. It's a one stop shop. Yeah, so <laughs> what I in, during the summer, I don't fuck with deer really. I don't, I don't mess either. with them. My I trail cameras, either. I can usually drive to them, and I don't have to walk through anything. I drive up. I, I'll put it on a corner post where two fields come together or something. Yeah. And I'm not so worried about getting every single buck on that property. And what ones I get, I'm happy about, but I'm not. Yeah. But besides I'm, the trail cam, will you guys make an effort to scout from a hill or scout from a truck? Because I don't do that. I don't I don't I've, mess with them. If I've got a spot that's easy to get to, if I can walk down a cornfield row to look over into a neighboring bean field, something that's easy to get in and out of and you're not going to booger anything, then, yeah, I'll, I get excited, you know, August, mm-hmm. September. Okay. I want to see a big deer. I'll go out and check him out. But I'm not one of those guys that goes out every evening with a spotting scope and scouts check. every night. Okay. Yeah. So, Clark, you and were saying Doug's trail pasture. cameras. How often are you checking your trail cams in July and August? I'd say two weeks to a month. There you go. Okay. Depends. If, if I know they're – I usually check them after about two weeks to make sure they're actually working. Mm-hmm. That's would, right. Would Once everyone agree, Ross? Awesome. You guys all agree I go one. Yes. I go one month after I know they're working. Yeah. Okay. Once, I, once I've made that preliminary, okay, everything seems to be working, I'll sit them there for another month and, and just – let let them roll how they roll and see what I got at the end of that month or so, and that's about how I do it. Okay, so that's sort of how I run my system. I I always see guys on TV, and I'm like, man, they're they're scouting from a hill, and you know, doing the whole spotting scope thing. I'm like, man, I don't I don't scout my deer like that in velvet. I trail cam is all I do for scouting. You know, velvet. the thing is, the thing is, man, you you can have all kinds of intel sitting there on a hill with a spotting scope. But like we talked about before, these deer have different personalities. They may swap up their whole program. Change it all up. They're yeah. probably I mean, going to. If they're at August and they're feeding in one place, they're probably not going to be there, they won't in, be there in October. But so, it's fun to go and take some inventory when you get excited. Sure. Okay, point out, I'm going to make a statement for our list. I'm doing this for the listener is what I'm doing here, and I want you guys to relay like where the holes are in my game. Is it fair to say that July and August velvet scouting – Trail cams is basically to the point where you need it, and you don't really need to poke holes in pressure anywhere else. Is that fair to say, or do you think I'm missing something there? Scouting from an outside edge is is still going to trump your trail cameras. Yeah, honestly. Okay, okay. Um, but you think though, what you guys said, where even though what you scout in July and August, things more than likely are going to change. Yes. Unless you know, yeah. we're we're uh, Iowa, and Illinois, are October first opening state. It's not like a uh, a Wisconsin September fifteenth mm-hmm. opening state, which fifteen days can change a oh, yeah. ton that Huge. time of year. Yeah. Um. For so is it for the October first opening states? Do you think it's not as important to truck scout or like hillside scout with a spotting scope or just leave a trail cam? I. I I've never shot a deer in the first week where I've went and scouted in preseason. 
Um, but like I said, it's fun to take inventory. You know, you might see that deer and think, well, I'm probably not going to see him in this exact spot, but maybe on this farm I'll get to see him. So, well, and right, like, okay. like you said too, yeah. uh, Austin, is that pre scouting is hard with all the crops up too. If you get a whole field full of corn, obviously you can't <laughs> yeah. scout, you can't scout it because you're not going to see shit. But yeah, do you guys yeah. take like that private eye camera out there with like the like the nine foot lens and just like snap pictures? <laughs> the <laughs> cheaters camera, but, yeah, the cheaters <laughs> camera, just to like get uh, get inventory because I. You know, I don't think that exactly be a bad thing. You know, if you're getting a picture of a deer and you're like, okay, he's always out in this field, but I have this camera out and I never see him, you know, then that would be a big indicator. It's like, okay, well, maybe he's working, you know, and they're going in a Y, you know. Well, I'll just, tell you, yeah. let me tell you this. So one of my buddies shot a 227 one year. Ooh. And the reason he shot him Pretty is okay because deer. he put his time in uh, through the summer and it was a drought year. He put this water hole in. And he killed him October 4th, 5th, 6th, somewhere early October. I mean, a monster. Um, and he killed him coming to a water hole in a little draw, like nothing. And and it, it, the so, guy the guy had it figured out. You know, you, you yeah. get a hot year, you do your work, you get a, a water hole somewhere, you, those deer are coming. Um, it's the same yeah. thing as late season. So you put your food plots in and you basically guaranteed those deer are coming late season and right. and he guaranteed this deer to come early season because it was a drought year he's looking for water uh the water hole was there mm -hmm. he came right in and shot him dead so he adapted to his situation and, and he, he, he got him figured out he, he got him shot in yeah. the early season and yeah, awesome so that's a good I point mean, so basically yeah. my my statement for the listeners was a uh, sort of a miss in a way like it is important don't always rule it out on your situation um but it's not also it's not really going to hurt too much if you got the trail cam set up right and you're checking them responsibly be conservative yeah. in your early season scouting some moral of the story okay yes, just I be conservative that, when you go. you go to the polls too right yeah, there we go there. There's a, <laughs> there we go i love <laughs> easy I, dumb shit i love watching it's just so. Sorry, I, I tried to get a reaction out of Austin, and he no sold that joke like a. He's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> I, I wish saw that, it in his smile. I wish all the listeners could see, like Steve sitting over to my left and just making a dumb riff and watching <laughs> Clark, Ross, and Austin just stare at him like, like what, what the an fuck? idiot. Dude, that's why I'm. Doing? That's why I'm Kurt's left hand man. <laughs> left hand yeah. man yeah, you'll never be my right hand man <laughs> well Eric is now I got demoted yeah I think back to the, uh, the the late summer scouting it can teach you some stuff any in, any information you can get is good information sure um, it may not necessarily mean that that deer is going to be sitting in the same spot three months from then but but what what you learn is that the deer is in the area and you, it gives you an ability to adapt mm -hmm. like Ross said with the water hole I mean yeah if if it was a su super dry year and you could put in a water hole somewhere near where you've seen that, you might pull him there, or or it might be some early you know they're going like to find oats that, right? or something that right. that you want to put in to kind of identify your your gaps in in your whole entire uh, habitat strategy and what's what's there for food and and cover and so on. You can you still have time to to make a quick adjustment to basically try to kill that deer. Okay, so can I do this? Let's do, let's wrap up this part of the season, and I, I'm trying to do this with bold statements, so it's like bold, clear. Mm -hmm. Clark, if you had to give 
advice quickly in like a statement or two on how to scout that time of year. And we'll do this with all three of you. What would you say? What would be your point? I mean, next time I'll reverse it so you're not going first each time. Okay, we're still talking late summer, early yep. summer. Just, yep, yeah. like July, August-ish. Okay, so I put out my cameras usually right around the 4th of July, sometimes the 10th. That's about when I usually America start Yeah, I start putting mine out. I get a three-day weekend or something. Right on the 4th. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Love it. <laughs> but I'll start kind of deploying all the cameras at that point and then uh like i say a couple weeks later i'm going to check them uh once they're running good i'll leave them there for a while uh usually uppers of a month or so and then uh from then that's other than just uh it depends on my work schedule and so on if i have time and the the beans happen to be in a spot that i can watch or maybe an alfalfa field from the road i'll do that i don't do that much uh trucking in or tromping in by foot Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do a lot of that backpacking with a spotting scope just because a lot of my areas are more tight. I don't want to risk bumping them out of there. I just, yeah. If I can watch them from a road, I will. And if not, I'll let the trail cameras do their thing. It's just too much risk at that point. And yeah. I think most people are going to relate to that, most yeah. of our listeners, because, you know, they're going to have tighter core areas, yeah. especially being in the Midwest. So. But I'll drive the roads a lot, uh, just even checking the neighbor's fields and so on, just trying to find that one deer that is maybe a the one you want to be after i mean if you know he's within a half a mile that's still good information okay oh yeah so. solid solid advice for us what about you are you going to bounce right off with with what clark said i mean uh, you I'm guys gonna, are all pretty much on the same page so this I'm, is maybe gonna, a bad way to put i'm going to say but. the same thing that clark's saying i mean that you know for for early season to beginning of the season i should say um no it, it's it's basically the same thing i yeah you don't don't get too crazy i it just it just sucks. Every year I get some awesome pictures of velvet bucks in one location, and by the time season rolls in, they've swapped. It's gone. They, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're over. They're over at another another spot. I mean, they're. I don't know. They. I killed a couple of bucks uh, doing that same thing, but other bucks have stayed in the same place. I mean, homebodies. Yeah, that goes back to what, what I'm we saying. mentioned like, earlier. Yeah. Like travelers, homebodies, all mm-hmm. that. I mean, and you get you get fighters, you get you get guys that run off. I mean, one of Austin actually filmed me way back in the day before we filmed each other. Um, nice of a of a badass buck. He was mid one fifties as a three year old, and the he got stud. his he got his ass spanked by a hundred twenty inch deer. <laughs> just just. Blistered. Big don't but, mean tough. Just yeah, like do you guys have life. this footage? Oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah. And that yeah, same night, what? we got to see a deer that ended up going two oh five or yeah, something right. like that. He yep. got killed by the neighbors, but we got to see Damn, him. What year was this? I passed that shot. Uh, I was uh, right at last dark uh, or last light. He, yeah, I passed the shot at forty five fifty. <laughs> yeah, this is classic footage. He we went two oh five. I've. Uh, I've actually, and I ended up that year. I ended up killing that two hundred seven with the crazy oh. unicorn point. Yeah. I'm familiar. But, for familiar, one sixty four outdoors, which yeah. we're going to talk about that in this podcast. We're going to get the all right. Give people gonna... the update. All right, Austin, <laughs> give me your general statement. People are getting up to go pee. There's a lot of people in the studio today. Yeah, there there are a lot of people. <laughs> that door, that door has been open and shut more times. And... So everyone, everyone at home knows what's going on, or at home in your car, wherever you're at. <laughs> This podcast studio is small and humble. It's working class. I need here. some lethal gun oil for those door knobs. Dude, I'd love some of that. Can you find some? <laughs> Austin, give me your statement on this time frame and hunting. This is July ish, August ish. My 
whether it's early summer, late summer, anything prior to season, my philosophy is the same. If I can get to a field where there's deer out in it, like Clark said, it's usually going to be soybeans or alfalfa field. Yeah, I'll sneak in and take a look if I can do it conservatively. But if not, then I don't I don't mess with it. Mm-hmm. I set my cameras on a little later than him. I'm probably into August before I start putting cameras out um, just because – I by August I can identify a deer like he's got enough yeah. characteristics of his rack I can ID him so that's when I start putting my cameras out but uh, yeah I leave him for a month check him check him once a month and uh, I've never been lucky enough to get an early summer bead on a deer and then kill him in the season based off of my scouting in the summer so right. I don't put a whole lot of stock in and that's a super scouting. rare thing anyway in a whitetail woods to kill a big big like a a giant and. I don't like to throw that word giant around. I don't know what you guys call giant, but that word doesn't get thrown around a lot with me. And uh, maybe on the podcast it does because we talk a lot to a lot of different guys that killed. They might refer to a giant as being a 140-inch deer. Um, a giant to me is a, a big one. But it's rare when you see a giant get killed within the first 10 days of October. I think anybody that gets – I'm sorry, Austin. No, I, you're fine. I, uh, I think anybody that gets – big pictures of a monster deer um in the late summer getting ready to start you know at, at beginning of september um anybody that gets big pictures for me every time i've gotten those big pictures i get scared because get scared i i, I get scared honestly you're talking late summer late summer spooky getting ready to shed the, that velvet i mean i get scared because because why because I, i'm pretty sure that deer is going to move on 99 oh. times out of 100 that deer moves on after about after they I, shed for their me velvet. for me testosterone changes happen and he's they, they move changing on. home range okay yep. so yeah what's um and this is kind of i'm I, I probably made a hard transition just now so sorry about that when you guys hear the word giant, or when you guys throw the word giant around, I'm just curious about this. Austin, what what is a deer that's a giant in you as far as inches are concerned? Seven feet well, one, tall. 150 is a shooter, so I call a 150 a giant. Okay. That's a, that's a yeah. giant for me. Aust- or Ross, sorry. Um, giant. What's what's a giant? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with Austin. 50s? Say 150s, yes, but, but I back up and say just a little bit more and say... A deer that you can tell is way mature. Like okay. this deer is five, six years old. Like he may, may he may be one hundred. Uh, he's one hundred and forty. This is interesting to me, man. So, okay, so all right, he's a giant. You, you know, you know that he's been around for the last five years. You've you've seen him, hunted him. Um, I don't know. He's not a giant, but he's but he is a giant. Okay, in in a whole other way. Because man, you guys look at the word giant different than I do, and I'm weird about it. I okay. did not expect this answer from you. Here guys. we go. Here we go. This, this is, is Clark. This is I the winner know right here. Clark, giant. When you say someone say you go, Kurt, you're on the phone with me. I saw a giant tonight. Dude, he's if talking one seventies. Yeah, I would say <laughs> what, what I call it. personally a giant. When I when I'm talking giant, I'm I'm talking one seventies. Now, I'm not saying that Whoa. a one fifty four or five year old isn't a isn't a good shooter. <laughs> Because Tell Ross why he's wrong. I'm still happy. No, I'm not saying he's wrong. <laughs> well, number one, he doesn't well, shoot single pin anymore. I think anymore. it probably depends a lot on the area that you're <laughs> yeah. hunting, too. Like I think so. A yeah. One, a 150s in my neck of the woods is probably going to be at the top of the food chain. Like, if you see a 150s in a season, I mean, that might be the biggest deer that you see. So, to me, that's a giant. What about okay, a, a 150 coos deer? Yeah, what, I'm, I'm what, still right with you. I, I feel <laughs> like this year, I don't think I laid eyes on a deer over one. 
fifties other. Well, I guess I did. Uh, the, the 170? Yeah, the yeah. one that he tried yeah. to block that memory out. <laughs> that one, I guess I didn't try to do. I've, I've seen like three of those but, in my bow hunting career. But, so. Well, let me say this. Yes. I, I, You guys have all killed bigger deer than mm-hmm. I might ever kill. And I hustle my that ass That doesn't off. matter. It doesn't matter, no. But in my terminology, for some reason, monsters before giant. Giants at the top. And, and this is just the way I just word things. Or maybe it's the guys I grew up with. So I was just curious to see what you guys thought. Megalodons at the top. Megalodons. Two hundo plus. When Kurt told me about that you know, that miss, I, I don't want to bring it up. But Rub like it when, in their wound. Well, it's I'm cool. sorry. I'm sorry. Fine. Well, when Kurt goes, Whatever. dude. I just shot high on a monster, and, like, my first thing was, I go, oh, that fucker's big. <laughs> you know, because, like, I know, you know, Kurt, uh, you got a 150, right? I have a 157. 157. So I knew when you said you're, like, it was a monster. I'm like, this is a good fucking I've killed deer. a 152. Well, technically, I've killed a 157-inch mainframe 8, but my clean 8 is 152, and I just love that deer. The buck that I hit high was every bit of 160 net as an eight, Oof, and I just deer. I knew it, and that might have been why I fucked up on it. Uh, and um, but what I will say when I call a giant, I see 160 plus yeah, shooter yeah. is any deer that I feel like I'd shoot when I see them. And sometimes some years that might be 130, some oh, years yeah. it might be 120. Yeah. Like this year, my shooter, I kind of went back to my roots, man. I hit that buck. And I kind of, like, got stressed out and got all sorts of weird on myself. Like, just full-blown, like, beat myself up. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I stressing over inches? Like, I just freaked myself out. I'm being stupid. And I kind of went back to the fun of almost like when I was, like, 16, 17 of have fun bow hunting and shoot deer. Yeah. And I shot a 125-inch. He might be one. He might be a 130-inch 10-pointer. And, dude, I shot him, and I was tore up from the floor up. And I kind of, like, got back to what channeled us to be where we're at anyway and it was such a refreshing feeling like i shot five deer this year i shot does like if i got a good shot of the doe i'm like i don't really need another doe but uh, you know actually i could use the, the meat i just <laughs> i shot another doe but you when know? that deer walks in you know you know if there's five or six of them and the, this sixth one walks out and you're like i'm shooting that deer yeah you know you're like your heart starts racing oh, you're yeah. Like, oh yeah i'm shooting that well, deer. i got what back you know? to it man like i Dude, I don't know how many hurdles I went through. Those slit tricks were just getting tired <laughs> by the end of it. I, I, I was like, hey, uh, Ross, I need new arrows. I bought new arrows off Ross. Like, refreshed everything. Just yeah, you bought Ross's arrows that he was going <laughs> to use. I remember that. That's normally the case. And well, I was going to shoot them, but I'm going to buy them there for sale. Yeah. <laughs> That's typically well, it. Go the, ahead. The thing about it is, uh, the it doesn't, it honestly doesn't bottom bottom down to uh score so I agree with that. don't yeah. don't worry about that yeah. i mean i honestly would have shot last year i would have shot 130 inch eight pointer that he's he's old i call him old man i mean he's no, nothing yeah. but he's old he's been around forever dude i'd shoot a so, spike if i so, knew he was old enough oh yeah <laughs> what, shoot, like what a seven year old seven and a half year old spike yeah. what, it, awesome. what it amounts to is is don't worry about score Score is fun. I mean, it's, yeah. it, you know, right. you kill a huge deer. You know, we're talking 170, 180. I mean, that's a giant. But, yeah. no, let's it, talk about how long you've had that, that experience and that history with that deer. Yep, yeah. I mean, for sure, man. You you picked up his sheds. He's only going to be 140-inch, 130-inch deer, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. That deer is old. He's five. He's four, whatever. You, you kill him. 
He's not going to amount to anything score-wise. doesn't matter. I yeah. shot, let's let's I kill shot, that deer. He, you get an opportunity, you kill that deer. He's a stud. Yeah, for sure. A, I shot a 130-inch, eight-and-a-half-year-old that I had never seen in my whole life. Never had a picture yeah, of him we, at all. We had him uh, signed. To, you send the bottom front teeth in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're sending your doe in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. How old do you think that doe is? Nine. I would say I'd bet at least. See, that's nine. a trophy in itself. I, going back to <laughs> yeah. what Ross says, like I, I totally agree with. It's not score. Like when I say a giant to me, like what I call a giant, like one seventies or something. But that doesn't take anything away from that five year old, hundred and thirty inch deer. Right, right. Like I shot one this year that was a four year old in the hundred thirties. I'm totally happy with that. Happier yet, I shot that uh, buck that was a five year old, hundred and fifty four inch. If he didn't have his broken tine, yeah. Um, the neighbor which is our buddy that also films respect the game they had named him white legs and he was uh, a deer that it was on the farm that my dad and i had been working on forever uh, a little history with my dad a couple years ago had stage four lymphoma and Jesus, we didn't really? know how he's yeah he didn't know how he's gonna do and it was right about the time we was doing all this work on the farm so here i'm sitting in my stand and in this particular night i didn't have uh anybody filming me mm-hmm. and i couldn't get him on film myself but I also I'd already happened to let go of this same deer, same situation, and I could see my the disappointment in my dad's eyes because it's it's like to him that's a trophy. I mean he's he's dying to uh, get a little feedback. I don't know through what. Yeah. I oh shit! Too. The aliens are coming, dude. <laughs> I was, I was but, messing with this. It might have been this. Oh yeah. My oh dude, wait, but, way to go, Austin. <laughs> but, so. I'm new. So yeah, I'm I mean, what to sit do. the next couple plays out. <laughs> if uh, if you look at, at everything just based on inches, you won't you won't get that same experience because yeah, when this deer walked up on me, I mean, I, it's sitting there and it wasn't on the food plot that we planted, but it's headed that direction. It's right where we had hinge cut a bunch of trees, all that. And to me, there was no better trophy than that deer because I could take that deer and show my dad. The deer's old enough. I wasn't taking something that was going to keep exploding into a bigger deer not right. saying he couldn't have grown but it wasn't like a potential 170 inch yeah, two-year-old right it? that's yeah. the thing i mean he was he was a five-year-old he was probably seeing the better end of his potential sure and uh it just to me i was more excited about that deer than i've been for for years and i didn't get him on camera well that's what's really um, all about man it's like you're yeah. the that's the reason why we're out there yeah and I, I didn't mean by bringing up the whole giant term i was just curious like to pick your guys's brains as being someone with experience you know a giant can be anything you want it to be um, but that doesn't mean, you know, if it's not a giant, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't shoot it. It's just what I see, um, when I call my dad, Yeah. if I'm going to call him and be like, you know, my dad's the first person I call, I shot a giant and he's like, he's thinking in his head, you shot 180 inch deer, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm like, I'll tell him like, oh, I shot a, you know, in my excitement, I'll probably yeah. say, Hey, I shot a giant. <laughs> well, he's, he's probably 140, you know, like, yeah. but still it doesn't matter if you shot it, you it obviously got you jacked up enough to yeah, shoot it, right. which is cool. Now, if you but, dip back into eight-pointers, that all of a sudden the 170 thing drops down to yeah, about a, a if, you get, if you see a 155 <laughs> eight-pointer, that's yeah. a giant. Well, that's so, the thing, man. Sure. I shot that 152-inch eight, man, and I I can't even – people don't get that. You know, they yeah. see the frame of – a lot of people that don't have experience with whitetail see the frame of that deer and be like, How don't I, 150, that looks a lot bigger. Well, it's an eight-pointer. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's right, though. Big eights, big sixes. Austin, what up? That's, You're big yeah, six. That's you know, what I want more yeah. than anything right now. I keep now. saying I these one forties on there now. I feel like mine's a little guy after seeing some of these big sixes. I've been seeing some <laughs> big pictures. 
Well, I dug into it. So um, a couple of guys I know, you and one other guy, so you and another guy that I know, shot another guy. big sixes this year. And I did. I put my feelers out because I'm a measure for Pope and Young, and I have, there's a group on Pope and Young's uh, page, measures only. I put the feelers out. and I mean, there's some big ones. There's some big ones in the 140s. I think some in the low 150s that um, responded back to me. But I would love to shoot a big one, any a big six of any sort, no matter what. I mean, it's hard to even say like a ballpark of a big six score range of what it would be. But 120 inch six pointers, big six pointers. It's a giant. Yeah, it's a huge. Right. Yeah, it's a giant. It's a hundred and forty inch. Well, I don't know. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to like really gauge that It'd out. Be like probably a one forties eight. I would say. Yeah, yeah. that's what oh, I was yeah. gonna well, say. You but, think oh, yeah. about it in relative terms. Like if you if you look at how many hundred and sixty inch ten pointers are there out there in the world that people have shot or still running around compared to the number of 140 inch six pointers i mean that's that's a true trophy when you start oh, using yeah, that absolutely. 130 140 <laughs> yeah. that's a giant six, it's a giant and that's it's a, a stud giant. and it's something that not many people can talk about having i remember when if you we, kill a hundred high 140 six pointer you have a true giant oh yeah, yeah. Absolute giant friend. it's a megalodon <laughs> it is <laughs> all right, all right, let's talk right, the 140 uh y buck <laughs> yeah, that's a, okay, so let's, that's a stupid looking let's thing. cut into early season bow hunting. I think that's where we're going next. And we're kind of all over the place, but I feel like we're talking real whitetail facts, knowledge, opinions, whatever. Early season, and, and you guys might be tired of talking about this by, at this point, but um, if you are, just tell me. We can just rip it and cut through it. Um, <laughs> early season, what's your plans? We're talking October. We'll, we'll cut that in. October is early season. Is that fair to say? I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off. Okay. Uh, back in the day, me and Austin were filming this deer I was after called Showtime, and mm. he uh, he came out. We we filmed him uh, another deer that we had on camera in the same exact trail cam picture. We're talking about two two hundreds in the same same damn picture. What? Uh, Do you still have that picture? I do. Uh, I do. Somewhere. For our eyes only. It's framed next to Ross's family picture in his bedroom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's actually bigger than his family I, picture. I honestly, I honestly got two 200s in the same picture. The only reason I know that is because I shot one of them. I call Showtime. The other one we called Tiny Tim. Uh, he had three yes. main beams. That was the 205 I was talking about. The 205 that he was talking about. Was it 205? He was 204 and something. Yeah. So 10 inch, like a 10 inch base on the one side. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, 10 and three quarters. <laughs> talking about monsters. He, he was a, yeah. had a tree he growing a, out of his left side. He was side. unbelievable in that one side. But his, his left side was crazy. But um, we got pictures of both of them. Uh, Austin and I had an encounter one night, and I passed that deer. Um <laughs> Wanted something bigger? No, he was, <laughs> was fifty it, it yards was and it was dark. It was crazy, man. We couldn't, we couldn't. I couldn't draw back and pull the trigger on this deer because at fifty yards, I couldn't was, even do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he it was, was early. It he was, was early. He was season. fifty, and it was early season, and and the wind picked up all of a sudden. It was one of those nights oh, like yeah. everything was cold, Where nothing then, was in your favor, and then boom, here come the wind. All right. So we, I, I'm like, you know what? This deer is here every day. Let's just pass this deer, and we'll kill him in the next couple of days. And he got shot three days later on the <laughs> neighboring property. So Damn, kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, Damn. It, it don't matter. It's, it's fine. Hey, that guy, He's he's been coming back from Pennsylvania for like 10 years, and he finally got his opportunity, so it worked out. But um, 
as far as showtime goes, uh, I figured that deer out and got him shot. Uh, second shot. Is that the fully season. bedded deer? Yeah. Yeah. Fully mounted. But fully. What full, is it? Full body full laying body down. Mount. Thank you. Gee, Wilkins, I better drink some more bush light, huh? <laughs> How about some crown? <laughs> That's an awesome deer. Some crown. I don't know if I can handle I mean, Yeah, he's got a 13-inch unicorn point with like a one-and-a-half-inch diameter at the yeah. base coming out of his forehead. Yeah. I put my hands insane. on that deer. He's insane. It was awesome. That's a stud. No, yeah, when it was, it was mounted. It was kind of weird, too, at the same time. Eric was watching. He's like, dude, you're weird. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know, bro. That deer's that deer's know, at bro. the doctor right now, getting fixed up. So, oh, is, hopefully, is it now? Hopefully, I get him back here in the next few weeks. But, um, yeah, it 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 uh, it was a well, that was a crazy season altogether. That was when me and Austin started filming way back in the day. That was 2012. Yeah, just for the fun of it. More just way back in it. the day, 2012. Like, the iPhone 4 was out at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think about it, that kind of was back in the day as far as filming and hunting is concerned. Yeah, yeah Clark's like, screw you guys, back yeah. in the day. I'm Kirk's like school in here. Yeah, Clark's like, 2012, <laughs> yeah. I already had gray hair by then. No, Clark, I Clark's, Clark's I, got stories about trip strings. and. and <laughs> I have literally never heard of that, so. You, you really have it. You got one up on me. Clark's yeah, got no, deep ties no to the Buzzbuses on some yeah. shit. <laughs> I bet Philip Vanderpool knows exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Oh, I bet he oh, does. Dude. Yeah. You have to remind me next time we podcast with them, I'll hit you up and you like, yeah, you have to just like ask me about what was the brand? What was the name? I think it's Game Tracker. I'm pretty sure that's who had it. No, you're going to be here when we do another podcast with them. I'm going to look yeah. it up right now. <laughs> it, it was. I thought it was the greatest tool in the world. When oh, I that got had to have like, been the shit back. Then. Oh, my, for my dad sure. made so much fun of me. He's like. You seriously think that's going to work? And man, when the first time how much it was, was this thing? It was cheap. It was like ten bucks or something. But <laughs> oh no shit! shit. Of course, back in 1980, that was probably when like gas 40 was bucks a dollar fifty. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, eighty nine cents. Like dude, this was ten gallons worth of gas. Like today, that's like shit. What is ten? What's ten times three? Thirty? That's thirty bucks, man. Shit's hey, expensive. I don't, I don't mean to burn you, Clark. I've, I've tried every cool. gimmick there is. That's my dad made fun of me. He's like. Because I was the first person I knew of that was doing scent showers because I read about it in a book. And I'm like, scent shower? That makes sense. So I'm taking a scent shower with baking soda because they didn't actually make Yeah, it didn't make Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. using baking soda and my skin's all dried out and stuff. And <laughs> So we go to go rabbit hunting one day and he's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you didn't go jump in carrot juice. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, rabbits like carrots. You always do something before you go deer hunting. So why don't you go jump in the carrot juice? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll Fast forward 20 years later. Hey, is this <laughs> bitch oh, now hey what was the one thing hold on, that, like on, from pause, back oh pause. Shit, is this it go. the tracking spool um 17 pound and 30 pound line white and orange shit? discount combo packs the tracker tracking unit with choice of no, tracking that, spool. that goes on your bow did you try type yeah it? that's what we're talking about yeah that's no well, yeah they, they made the same thing there's one of that tra- try the uh trail timer the trail timer yeah see if that comes up Boy. Oh my God! I thought I was old school with the thirty-five yeah, millimeter. This, this is the real deal. Yeah, it uh, says software. That's not it. <laughs> there was no software involved with this at all. Dude, what was the one thing from back in the day that like you still use? Like, is there there had to be something back in the day? You that's still a use great, a rattle bag. That is a great question. No, portable awesome portable question. tree stand is probably the still coolest thing hat. ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That hey, was, that still was have my one. hat. Should we say screw the whole hunting season thing? We made it to early season, and this stuff just made more fun to talk about. Yeah, what, what, do you, Ross, what about you? You got anything? 
that like you had back in the day when we first started? You still use? He's the same age as we are. Oh boy, man. Yeah, Ross, you're like 28. You're in the same. Are you like? We're all sitting in the same group here. Uh, I feel way behind <laughs> on bow hunting. Hey, not, not all of us. I had one a, of us, isn't there? It is. I had is a trail it? camera. That's trail time. Trail time. Yeah, that is it right there. Dude, that looks like a scale that every time I watch cops when the dudes get busted with weed and they have that thing on them. Okay, this is on the uh, (laughs) discussions.texasbowhunter.com. Holy shit. It's from when? 2012? Um, This is the... um, Let me see what year it was from. Did it tell you how many feet it went out to? Oh, this was 11-8 of 2012. Let me read this. Oh, my God. Reading the bow hunting time capsule... <laughs> Even Whoa. in 2012, when you guys first started filming back in the day, they were still talking okay. about time capsules. Let me read this. Um, <laughs> reading the in air or quotes, bow hunting time capsule, unquote, thread got me thinking about the gadgets we thought were pretty high tech at the time. <laughs> when I started bow hunting in the early 90s, I not only had one of these manual range finders, but I was a big fan of trail timers. Remember those? Basically, a simple digital clock with a string you would stretch across a trail or a fence crossing. <laughs> the idea was a deer would hit the string and stop the clock so you could pattern its movement through the area. I had those things all over the place at my lease, but I can't honestly say they <laughs> they ever helped me kill a deer. I figured they would be a thing of the past in this era of cheap trail cameras, but I Googled it, and they are still for sale. Holy no, no bullshit. Oh, yes, it was 2012. Hey, we need to so buy a bunch I, I of these. I want one just to put in a glass case and put it up in <laughs> yeah, my trail no case. Kidding. <laughs> trail Dude, if, case. I, if I get one, I'm using it. <laughs> trail timers. Who, um, does it say who made eBay. Some? Um, can, can you zoom in on that image? I swear the funny thing is, though, like, not. Clark has a time capsule buried in his yard, and one of these is in it. <laughs> I wish I would. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's got awesome. that, and he's got a shitload of pogs, too. So basically, moving on to November, <laughs> use as many trail timers as you can. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're not getting tangled up on the walk out. So, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> I got a quick question <laughs> on you guys. Okay. I personally don't hunt mornings hardly at all early season. <laughs> okay, we, we've talked about this on one of your podcasts. Okay, yeah. I think I, I – keep going. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just – I'm an evening guy. Uh, I have killed a decent buck in the morning. A man early, of the evening. I've kind of learned over the years that you're probably better off to stay out. It's not a real high percentage time. Uh, but I like I like evenings if, if you get the cold fronts. And that's, to me, mm-hmm. through October, if cold fronts are key, if you can get the cold fronts, I mean, it, it can be good, but you just got to get the right weather to do it, so – my I only hunt the cold. So fronts. wait, I got a question for you guys. Actually, switched it so, around on you. Switched it. Early, didn't early see, Roddy Piper early, over here. You didn't here. even answer that. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to answer that, but I'm going to ask you. Yeah, a question. You, you think you have all the answers, but I changed but the no, question. It's kind of going back to scouting. So early season, what I do is like what you just said because you brought it up. You don't like to hunt mornings early season, but as soon as the crops go out, what I like to do is scout when the crops go out in the morning. To plan my evening hunt. That's a good strategy. I so like I don't, know, I don't know if you guys do that or what your thoughts on that are. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's usually good. I'm sitting in a combine that time of year, but I could see where that would be effective. Right, because I have a lot of properties where I can see from a distance where I'm not going to affect that property, but I'll go out there early mornings if I have the day off to kind of scout it, see what they're doing in the morning to plan my evening hunt. Yeah, yeah. Go back another. to your question though, real quick, Clark, um, about how I hunt mornings. Typically, I take your guys' advice on not hunting mornings. This year, I had mm-hmm. a lot of bucks. Um, 
Well, one buck more in particular, I call it Beams. He was just, he was an eight pointer, but it was like his G3, and then it was just, he was Beams, just flat Beams out. Like he had no, it looked like he could have had so many more points, but he just didn't. It was just strat, flat, straight out Beams. And he was moving at 830. I'd get him moving through the middle of a field. Um, I, well, I was going to cut out, uh, Trocan middle on the field. So I got, I, would hunt that in the morning and it never paid off. I never saw him. He disappeared probably because he was bedded close by and getting up and moving or, or something of that sort. Um, but I, I think I got tempted too much this season and hunted early in October in the mornings. And I think I've learned from that, even though it seems good, like trail cams are telling you, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I think I, I did fuck it up because maybe I misread my trail cameras and deer were doing something a little different than I interpreted them to be doing. Yeah, I don't know if that maybe be a fair assessment of what I had happened. I mean, you I know, obviously you guys won't know, but I think next year I'm going to fight temptation and not hunt mm-hmm. until m- late mid October in the mornings. Yeah, it seems like the 20th is a good date. Not saying that you couldn't kill them sooner because I have. That's it's all one of those things that if you go a million times in October, you're going to kill some. But uh, I think that. If you can do the high percentage stuff, um, now one one exception to me is a first cut cornfield. Like if you got a farmer moves in and and cuts the, the first cornfield in the area, yep. to me that's a great draw. I've mm-hmm. seen, I can't tell you how many different times just driving by and glassing that first cut cornfield, you'll see two or three decent bucks first night. And while it, you're working. While I'm working, yeah. <laughs> and it's usually not a field I can hunt, but yeah, exactly. if that was a field that I could hunt, I would have been there. <laughs> I would have killed one if I could have hunted that. Yeah, if yeah. I could have been, if I could have hunted it. But no, that I've seen that that strategy work out pretty well for people. But. So October is fair to say. Hold off mornings, late October. You know, yeah. you're gonna more screw things up more than less in the mornings than you would do good for it or have success in killing a good buck in the morning anyway. You get is that kind of a roundtable agreement yeah. on that? Yeah, last I'd week say, yeah. last week mm-hmm. in October is when I start hitting the mornings. Yeah. If like say if the weather's right, yeah. I was yeah. really hoping for some disagreement here, guys. I got to tell you, it's a pretty. We, we haven't it, had any. It, that just goes to show you that uh, the football play aspect of getting after a mature whitetail is not always the best way to get after it. Um, and I always remember Bill Winky saying that would go back to the God. Um, if your if your game plan looks like a football play, it's too complicated. It doesn't really need to be that mm-hmm. complicated. And I think a lot, like even I get stuck into that. Like, you know, it's we gotta move. You gotta go in here, cut across here, dodge in here. And really, it's you know, you just go in here. It's low pressure. Get in your stand. The wind's doing this, and you get down. And you exit here. But yeah. don't overthink it either. Uh, Spookspan yeah. said the best time to kill a deer is when you're seeing him. So if you're getting a picture of him and it's October one and he's in there in the morning and you can get in there. Go in there and kill him, or he's right in front of you at twenty yards. That's the best time to kill him. That's the best time to kill him. Yeah, no, but he, he makes a good point. Sometimes we lose the forest for the trees. We we think too hard. I'm not saying, like you say, it's a low percentage time, but there's going to be those times yeah. when you you do get a pattern on a good one. You can sneak in and get him yeah. killed in the first week in October. He, yeah, it's like yeah. we always say. Yeah, deer are the smartest animals in the woods, but they don't have iPhones yet, so we're the smartest <laughs> animals, period. So it's not too hard to think that, yeah, we can kill these some bitches. You know, it, it's not impossible, but... Um, well, I think nothing's foolproof. You, yeah, nothing you know, is foolproof. Anything yeah. we say... It's easy, it's easy to look at it. It's so, easier to say than do. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it yeah. funny that we have talked two hours about 
killing a whitetail, and we still haven't really got through all the aspects of how to kill a whitetail. <laughs> That's why I said when at the beginning of this, you're like, I want to cover every aspect. I'm you like, can't That's do gonna it. It's going to take four fucking days. We're running along. <laughs> November is kind of just four days is what you're giving it. Yeah, four days. Okay, so here. let's we'll just circle through Straight. November. Being a tree is that is, is that basically fair? Being the tree on the correct wind. Any oh, yeah. day you yeah. can get off of work. Get in the tree. I think all I think, day long. Just quit your job, November. I think all three of us can agree that November five, six, seven, eight, nine are the days. Yeah, if, yeah. You, October, if you want to kill, October thirty one on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seventh so, through the sixteenth is the key days for me and my dad. That's when we've killed the biggest deer. You know. Yeah, I That's, agree with that. That's a good one I through seven. It's been my sweet days. Which one? One through seven. One through seven. Yeah. I like early too. It's yeah, I've never had. I've killed a deer on the sixth. That's the earliest in November I've killed one. Um, but normally it's the. I'd say the sixth through the seventeenth, t- technically, if you want to go from my range of like kills in November. But I, I don't think know. some sleeper days are October twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth, Halloween. Uh, those days. Halloween's probably my favorite day to be in the tree. That's a great, Halloween. yeah. That's like and when the when the switch flips. It's usually thirtieth, thirty first, right in there. Yeah, actually, then, the day after Halloween because of all the candy you get to eat. Yes, <laughs> this is probably the best. Yeah. Bring, day. bring deer hunting, Steve. Deer, deer hunting. First day <laughs> and, and I'll argue against that and say that uh, October thirtieth for me. I've never ever had any luck on October thirty one. So that's your least October favorite day. 30th. Yep, <laughs> I was just, I've never stupid. I've never had one encounter on October thirty one. It's always the thirtieth. So we, we I I'll sit out. There. So Austin, you're wrong. I'm wrong. No, 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 no. That's good. Here we go. Here we go. No, that's good for them though because they're so, filming each other. So you know, one day yeah, he can hunt the thirtieth. I'll hunt the thirty first. So I'll say, hey, today you're filming me. Right. Yeah. yeah. It works the, out. It's a fair trade. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty fair. I've had. I'll guarantee. I, I can tell you right now. I've had four very big buck encounters on the thirtieth. I've never had one on the thirty-first. Yeah, they're too scared to come out. You know. Yeah. All so right. let's do Ghost this. I haven't got you guys arguing yet. So um, I didn't think that was going to happen. To be honest, I just thought it'd be fun if it did. <laughs> um, you guys were all agreeing. Basically, you guys are all on the same ballpark. So it's. It's almost like a basic foundation of whitetail knowledge as a whole. It's all kind of there. There's a foundation, give or take, a buffering of when things transition to one another. Is that fair to say, you think? Yeah. Here, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Here, I, I'll get them to argue. Yep. It's minute experiences that break apart the success. Good grief. Go ahead, Steve. You're I've got I've got the <laughs> argument going. You're going to ruin right. it anyway. I am. I am. Kurt, you were going on a very good point, but I have to ruin it. Yeah, thank who's you. the hardest work? What's the hardest working profession? Uh, package delivery drivers, electricians, or farmers? I'm not going to say. He, he's trying to get a fight. <laughs> <laughs> you want to piss me off? Who would have Who would win in a fist fight between the three of you? Everybody's <laughs> job is the hardest job. Yo, <laughs> shots fired. You no, know, you know how it is. I mean, everybody's job is the hardest job. I mean, you probably talk about exactly. when you go home to your Clark. wife. Well, or, no, that's true because like, Steve yeah. comes in yeah, and listen like, here, you I bitch. had the hardest day, and then the next week he's like, yeah, I don't do shit at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's always a bigger story. Yeah, that's oh, true. yeah. That's the, I climbed 80 sets of stairs today and ate three Musketeers bars. I'm wore out. And I only had three <laughs> Pepsis today. They were diet jackass, so thank you. They're not. We were at the shooting sugar. range the other week. 
And we're gonna go to Buffalo Wild Wings on a Tuesday. It was Bogo. <laughs> buy one, get one, or whatever you buy on Tuesdays. Buffalo Wild Wings. Shout yeah, out. I don't eat that shit. That's bad. That's unhealthy for you. We're there at the outdoor, or <laughs> we're there at the indoor range shooting spot targets. And Steve's like, "Man, I'm hungry." I look over, he eats a Musketeers bar of Snickers and drinks a fucking Pepsi. And I'm like, "Dude, we're going to Buffalo Wild Wings." And I'm not, he's shooting his bow with all that sugar intake. I'm like, "Dude, you can literally have my free part of the meal if you just go with <laughs> the Buffalo." He's trying to replicate the adrenaline rush. I yeah. see what you're doing. Yeah, I was trying I, to. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get yeah. that sugar rush, and then it was like, "Thanks, oh, Austin. Man. You're not helping." I was like, <laughs> dude, all of a sudden I was shooting. I was like, dude, man, my feet feel like they don't want to be connected to my body anymore. What the hell is going on with me? <laughs> my heart's racing. You're going to have the diabetes here in like two years. <laughs> the beaties. <laughs> the beaties. Boys, what have we missed? What's, let's, let's do this. I want to cover this. 164 Outdoors. There's a lot of locals. This is for our local listeners. Asking me where to buy a new Elite bow. And I, I keep telling them my buddy's in transition between one shop to another shop. What's going to happen? Can we clarify? I am still in transition. <laughs> is it good? Is one sixty four going to be back? Do you know yet? Is it going to be a public thing? Is it going to be? Tell you what, he's got like four more kids he needs to make first. It'll be back as long as you message me personally. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm honestly not. I don't have set hours. I'm not sitting around waiting for people to show up. Uh, if you just message me and we'll sit there and have a conversation, we'll. I got to text Ross quick. I got something to work on my bow. <laughs> can I pitch you an idea real quick? Yeah, laugh about it all you want, but I'm busy as Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> you are busy. You are busy. But you're good at what you do. Can I, can I pitch you an idea? Go ahead. And this is for the listeners as well. So, like, I might get you more trouble here than I, uh, than I need to. I think that you should have 164 outdoors as kind of like a bow hunters club like a private like a golf club it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tight like you gotta so, be in the circle a little bit but you gotta yeah. earn your way there you gotta be you know in, that's right in, know somebody you're in the loop it's like a it's like the gold dra- gold jacket green jacket who gives a shit type <laughs> thing and Bingo. so can i have a key to just like go and hang out at the man cave then whenever you can I have want? a key to be okay. a rain what about me do I, can do have a key does steve get a key to anybody out there you just you just gotta work for that key Okay. <laughs> what do I have to do to it's get It's going to be key. like a nostalgia. It's like a Keep private. Keep working on it, Steve. It's, it, yeah, it's a private club. You go in there. You, you you put your fancy robe on. You grab a bottle of champagne, and you shoot I'm, your I'm sorry. I'm not open to the public. I'm just. I'm just this is know, not your I, primary I'm career, by the way. as shit. I can't. I honestly. I, but I want to I wanna help guys get their bows fixed up. I mean, I want to get things going here, but I. I I can't do it every day. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I'm busy. It's understandable. Shit. You're a working class, man. Yep. Working class bow hunter over here yep. with a side business of... Well, I mean, we've done bows. that too. We, I mean, I've texted you over, hey, I need something fixed. You're like, ah, I'm too busy this week. I'm like, no big deal. Like, whenever you can get around to it, I'll come down there. It's an hour drive. You should see I'm the like, text we get from Eric like, man... Ross Bigger sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Screw this guy. I'm going somewhere else. Ross has got to set up the... Uh, what a loser. I haven't really set up a name for my green E35 I got from you at 164 there. It, I'm, the whole green goblin, all sorts of things are floating around, but that baby's got to get set up. Call it the green we'll, mile. We'll set it up. It's going to die at the end. I've already ordered the parts. <laughs> They're sitting there waiting on you. The leprechaun. With the leprechaun. We'll, be, we'll, we'll figure it out. i got to shoot it first, and then it'll come to me, I think. Hey, okay. Has anybody hey. shot the ritual yet? Yes. Oh, yes. oh my God. God, yes, yes. yes. I a, shot yeah. that shit in front of Darren Christianberry, and I did well. Let me say this: What was you your what? what's your favorite bow that Elite's ever? Have you shot it yet? I haven't. What's oh. your favorite bow that Elite's ever made? I I like the tempo. That's what I'm shooting now. Yeah, tempo, like Ross. It. Have you shot it yet, Ross? Nope. What's haven't. your favorite bow so far? Elite's made. 
and all the history, like it, it, success, can go into it because you know you have a certain relationship with bows. Like I get it. Option six for me, but that yeah, boy, I, I haven't shot the ritual. Clark, you so. shot the ritual, didn't you? I did. I, Holy I shit! Think right. As far as what's my favorite currently, now I've only shot the the ritual just briefly, mm-hmm. a few shots. So I'm I'm hoping to change my mind with that one. But so far up to this point, just the way the specs hit, E35 is oh, is probably boy. my favorite elite bow. That's yeah, um, it's it a just good fit me so perfect. That was exactly for me. But this ritual is awesome. I, I shot it. A few times and just that smooth draw cycle that's uh, big for me as a hunter a game yeah. changer it's um, up there with this mine is the synergy synergy i would awesome say too. that too that's yeah. my close second favorite to the e35 yep. the synergy is what made me fall in love with elite mm-hmm. and that was like where i was i transitioned to being like i never really thought about elite before the synergy and i i bought a brand new hoyt that year traded that thing in for synergy everyone thought i was crazy you had a hoyt carbon uh was it carbon spider uh yeah carbon spider bought it brand new I had it for two months, shot a bunch of 3D shoots with it in those two months, and hated it. I was uncomfortable. I, I didn't want to admit at first that I hated it because I just spent fifteen, almost sixteen hundred bucks out the door on it, and I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, it, I just don't really love it. I went and with I hated you to trade it in. Yeah, yeah. You, we went to Presley's in yeah. uh, Bartonville, Illinois. Wait, you were with him? Yeah, I was with him. And I went down there. What the shit? And I shot a synergy. Um, I, I was like, well, "Let's let me shoot some of these leads." Because I was like, I already knew I kind of wanted to check out some new stuff, and I just it was you know how sickening that is when you spend that much money, and then you're like not satisfied out of oh, it. Absolutely. No, you know how sickening it is finding out that you two were together the day that you shot that. <laughs> I didn't know you two were together. So I went down to uh, Presley's. Bullshit. And I'm shooting this bow, and I look at him. I go, Hey, um, I have a. I had my bow in the car. I'm yep. like, I will trade this bow in straight up. Don't like just straight up, brand new, out of the package. Give me a synergy. I'll give you this bow. And they're like, you're going to trade that bow in? The, like, how long have you had that bow? I'm like, I literally bought it like two months ago. Seriously, <laughs> I did. And the guy's like, everyone, there was like a group of guys there. They're like, you're going to trade that brand new, like $1,500 bow in? I'm like, yeah. And I, everyone there thought he was fucking insane. I'll tell you that right now. I was now. like, I don't <laughs> like it. Like, it just doesn't feel good to me. It feel, the cam feels spongy. I just, I'm not, uh, I just didn't feel good. I, that's me. That's me personally. I didn't like it. That's yeah. literally the best trade you ever made. Well, yeah, and yeah. that's where I was sold on Elite, too, because he, when I was there, I'm like, well, Kurt's all about this hype, whatever. I got to shoot one to see oh, what it's yeah, all about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You bought one right Yeah, after. you son yeah. of a bitch. All right, here, because let's so talk about bitch. you. Because then I go up to uh, to see our buddy Tim at the Bone Shed when it was uh, still around, and you bought that Synergy. What about me? And, and you guys what went me? and... What about me? That's what you're doing right now. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> I only plugged my phone. Clark, in. you uh, all right? Clark, good, good call. Now Sorry, I'm sitting right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, you 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 dipshits. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, but no, I'm. It's awesome that uh, you know that because with Kurt, he's like, hey, dude, you know we can't. All right, I see what Kurt's doing. Yeah. Well, no, he, yeah, he's pretty much said he's like, I'm gonna go trade my Hoyt for uh, Elite Mike. Yeah, I, I God, see. Damn, I see you're what you guys crazy, are doing. No, 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 I'll go with you. Here's what you guys were doing. What you and what about me? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! What you two were doing? About me? You guys thought you'd have fun without me, and I we always on. have fun without you. So I'm going to have shot one in 15 years. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening right now. Exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Seems like you guys went to Presley's. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, Eric, you bought a book because Poppy had to tell. We need some milk. That's no. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Hey, what I'm saying is I went from shooting my bow a couple times in every week and a half to shooting my bow almost every single day after I made that trade in. Because it fit, it fit me, it felt good, and I loved it. And yeah. look at me now. Look at me now. Look at me now. Look so, at me now. Yep. That's where we are. Boys, are we are we dragging this out longer than we need to? What have we not covered? Does anything need to be said? I got a new name for the guys. I don't know how well it's going to work out, but it's what I thought of. Okay. Lay it on us, Steve. Are you ready? We love it. If you guys don't like it, tell me, but uh, the new name for you three is The Three Dear Me Goes. The Three Dear Me Goes. It's pretty good. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Okay. Uh, Austin's kind of like indifferent. Hey, we're not making any shirts I'm yet. Right. But, but we'll, <laughs> not we'll, yet. We'll feel it out. <laughs> the, you guys are going to have the Dear Me Goes <laughs> podcast coming out <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah. No, because they already have the Tootin' on the Buck Grunt podcast that they had on the way up. If we come up with something better, we'll let you know. But that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, next we see Welcome to the Dear Migos podcast. It's our logo, but it's flipped and it's blue. Yeah, screw those guys. We know how to do it better. What the hell? Hey, that that's actually going to be a thing. Look, in three weeks, it'll be a Dear Migos. Welcome to the Dear Migos podcast. This is the first episode here in the Bucketorio. <laughs> Basically a podcast without Steve. So yeah. the fucking golden winner. Our copy of the Working Class Bow Hunter, except Steve's not here. And we have one guy that's even quieter than Eric. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he says through like six episodes. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And we're out of Florida. Nobody kills deer in Florida anyway. What's up, Chase and Tails Podcast? <laughs> Dude, did, did you kill did, two deer a day down there? Dude, did you give that some bitch my number? Yes. <laughs> he was texting me. I love that guy. Uh, we, we love ripping on another podcast. See what we do we here? We do. It happens. See what we do. Okay. Check okay. out Chase and Tails podcast. Me and Kurt. The Dear Migos are silent, so that means we better close this <laughs> the up. The Dear Migos. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> We're just waiting for a gap to get in there. <laughs> Last words, anyone? Anyone? Nope. Okay. Anyone else? <laughs> I, I think it was good. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. A lot of fun. You guys fun. are not as excited okay, as we are. Yeah. I'll do this for you guys. Check out Respect the Game TV on <laughs> yeah, Sportsman Channel. Yeah. Um, these guys are It's an elite. an elite-fueled show. Larry McCoy's there too, his best, rocking as always. Hey, shout out to Paul Biggs. I love Paul Biggs. That Paul Biggs <laughs> might be the heart and soul of Respect the Game TV. Is that fair to say? <laughs> that's, that's fair. That man needs to be on camera more. Because he's just so he's handsome, you know? He's a handsome man. He's a man. handsome man. Yeah, oh, he's, he's got piercing blue eyes. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> no, he's got Gee, brown eyes. Christmas. What? I think he's deep. got brown eyes, I'm pretty deep. sure. Did deep, you look into him too much? No, nah, I think he's looking at my eyes when you've you seen blue. <laughs> That's the piercing you're looking <laughs> I just at. Threw it out. I, I just threw it out there, but you corrected me, so yeah, I'm curious. I'm pretty sure. He's putting out the, the gaydar to see who he can catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, this will really make you want to check out Respect the Game TV on Sportsman's channel. It really is a good show. One of our favorites. Everyone there is great, great people. Check out EliteArchery.com. We all shoot it. We love us. If you don't believe us for this podcast, you can't be helped. All right, we love you. Go shoot your bow. Hopefully it's an elite. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.